0: This is Carl. This is Mark.
1: And this is Sarah.
0: And this is retrograding. This is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood films. This month, we are taking a look back. At Poltergeist to see if our nostalgia is warranted. All right, so Sarah Patrick, you... great. <laughs> Nobody is going to know what that means. That is saying in the episode to shame you. <laughs> um So you brought this forward. Uh, so do you have a sixty-second synopsis of Poltergeist yeah. for our listeners? Do, no, do but I need never to do.
2: clarify before she does that, in case the listeners want to go look it up and watch it themselves.
0: I don't think we do, because when I, <laughs> I, I, both you and I didn't know the film had be remade. Like, the film we were talking about is the 1984 Spielberg version. Apparently there was a remake in 2004 because we're only doing remakes now. Don't watch that. When people talk about Poltergeist, they're talking about this film, the 1984 yes. version. Don't
1: watch the remake.
0: Yeah, never watch the remake.
1: It doesn't have re- Zelda Rubenstein in it. It's not worth At it. At
0: it's going to be as good as the original, and so they're only setting themselves up for failure. It's never going to be better.
1: I love Sam Rockwell, but it's not worth it.
0: Anywho, Sarah. I am going to put 60 seconds on the clock, and you're going to explain the plot of Poltergeist Guys to our listeners. Not Are enough. you ready?
1: <laughs> Never!
0: Yes. Uh, I am well aware of this. I am so excited to see what nonsense you come up with. Uh, so here we go. In three, two, one, go.
1: So this family, headed by Coach from Coach, um, <laughs> starts having creepy things happen in their house, like their little girl saying... They're coming, and uh, chairs moving across their kitchen. So they call in some ghost people from UC Irvine. Go Irvine. And the ghost people say, we think it's a poltergeist. But weird things keep happening, like bugs in their food and creepy clown things. And they decide they're not enough. So they call in the big ghost guns, which is Zelda Rubenstein. And Zelda Rubenstein says, it's worse than you think. There's many ghosts. And... Um. Turns out their home was built on what used to be a graveyard, and the little girl gets eaten by the big ghost into the closet, and Zelda Rubenstein tries to get her out of the closet, and she comes out, like, giving birth to a baby and is all gooey, and it turns out they just moved the headstones and not the bodies, and there's real skeletons! And they finally leave the house, and the house destroys, and then Coach pushes the TV out of the hotel. The end.
0: <laughs> I mean, you got a lot of parts in there. I'll give you credit for giving it a shot. Uh, We all knew ahead of time that Sarah had not prepared in the slightest, and so for an... Uh, an ad hoc, ad lib version of that. Not bad.
2: You know, she never prepares those, though. She's always just making that up on the spot. so. Um, mm-hmm. I, ne-
1: I never call Zelda Rubinstein by her real character, and I'm- she's just Zelda Rubinstein. I don't
0: remember her name either, but before we get into that, let I me say. I don't remember the her thing.
1: name in any movie she is in. I also <laughs> don't know her character's name in Teen Witch.
2: I don't know any movie that she's in. I don't
1: either. And Teen <laughs> Witch. And oh, also yeah, just she was the voiceover too. for most haunted places in America.
2: Yeah, um, I knew I knew her voice from somewhere, and yeah. I could not
0: figure it out. Well, it was I was mean, that's well. probably because of her, like, that had to come after this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that was, that was like, on, like,
1: okay. WB Family or whatever, yeah. um, the... Whatever that channel was at that point in time. I feel
2: like I watched that show when I was in college, so it was definitely after this movie.
0: Let's get into long form. What did we see (laughs) as adults that we may have missed as children? Uh, There, I've said the thing. Now we can go on a tangent.
1: I don't know. Already
2: (laughs) derailed.
1: Here's my one thing. So they call in people from UC Irvine. This basically takes place in a fictionalized version of Irvine. Sure. In that it is a, they're in Orange County and they are in a created community, which is Irvine.
0: uh, What do they call that? Like a planned A planned community. Yeah. planned community. Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: So that is basically Irvine. Irvine was a planned community in Orange County um, that's supposed to be kind of very safe, very um, nice. And so the fact that they then call in people from UC Irvine and I don't know why. Well, probably because I was very small, but I don't I don't remember them being from UC Irvine, but I should have because at the time when I first would have seen this movie, that's where I would have been living. Mm hmm. Um, so I probably should have been like, woo, it's my town.
0: Well, you should have been way more scared of where you are living then. Because <laughs> things know. don't go well for this planned community. But I
1: don't think we were built on any graveyards. I think we were just built on orange fields.
0: Who's to say? Maybe that's just what they told you. Up,
1: uh, see... The things I remember about this movie when I was young was gross bug food and Coach yelling at the guy through the phone. The pool scene at the end. Because I thought, weird child again, that was the funniest scene in the movie was him yelling at the guy through the phone. Well, also the chair scene. The chair scene is very memorable.
0: Yes. So I did not see this film as a child. Uh, And this was my first watch of this film. Same I know it through <laughs> references. I know the line, there, here. I know it involved a girl and a TV with static. But, like, I never sat down to watch the film. Which is a real shame, because this is a great Spielberg film. Yeah. And I did some research uh, on this movie a little bit. And this was released in 1982, uh, a year after Close Encounters of Third Kind and the week after E.T. And so this was called The Summer of Spielberg. Spielberg because he had E. T. and this coming out, and they like both did crazy good at the box office. Um,
1: my parent my my parents showed this to me when I was young. They had seen it in theaters as like a preview day, and so at the time, since no one else had seen it yet, um, no one you didn't have all the at that time as many reviewers and stuff. So they just went in knowing it's a Spielberg movie, and that was about it.
0: Oh, you know Spielberg family friendly movies. <laughs>
1: But they're like, it's a Spielberg movie. Oh, and we're getting preview tickets. Of course we're going. Apparently everyone was just like, what have we done?
0: Well, this is a very different Spielberg. Uh, The other thing I read is Spielberg was heavily involved in the production, but there was something in his contract for E.T. that he couldn't direct any other film while working on E.T. And so I think the directors under somebody else's name, I don't know who it is, Uh, and Spielberg basically took control of the project because that guy couldn't make any decisions, but that guy still has his name as the director.
1: Sorry, there's just so much meowing going on. Uh (laughs) She Um, just
0: wants to be part of the show. other thing... I learned about this film, which I found very interesting, is, is this the film was a it was originally planned to be a direct sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, and then when the they were planning this, the guy who was slated as the director was like, Nah, I don't really want to work with aliens. Why don't we do ghosts? And it just became this film.
2: And that I, think I- feel like i have may have heard that before but again i had never seen this movie so i i guess i wouldn't have ever connected it but it's kind of the same thing you said i i had i knew references the girl in front of the tv and all that but, um, I don't know, I guess, to me, I'm looking at it as an 80s horror movie, and some of those were not great, and so um, I was just kind like, oh, of like, oh, well, this this will be an interesting little movie for us to watch, and we're it was actually
0: pretty good. Right, the thing I love about this film, this film, uh, mm-hmm. and... Spielberg in particular (laughs) is a lot of the problems with those 80s schlocky horror films is that they're just about the killer they want to get to the set pieces of the murders or what's going on uh they don't really care about plot because that's not what the film is about but Spielberg sprinkles this film with so many specifics and like the things that the ghost experts are talking about kind of makes sense he gives uh great specifics to the the mom and the dad and this family like he creates a world in a way that a lot of those other 80s horror films don't and spielberg is a master at doing that
1: um i also really like how this film builds because there's a lot of like ghost movies nowadays where you're like why are you still in the house get out of the house Mm -hmm. whereas this one it's small things at first it's moving chairs and stuff that you're like, well, that's weird, but like, that's not going to kill me. That's not.
0: I I love that initially the mom isn't scared of this. She has found a phenomenon in her home and is really excited. Is like, here's this strange thing. Let's do an experiment to see if it works for everything.
1: Yeah. And so... It makes sense. Yeah, we're going to call someone in to look at it, but we don't need to necessarily leave with our children because it hasn't hurt anyone yet. Whereas like the people where it's like in like modern day one where it's like, well, it's thrown a whole bookcase around the room. Why are you still here with your like four year old?
0: Well, I mean, hands are coming out of the wall, but we did buy this house. So mm, yeah. But it makes a lot of sense here because the first sense of attack is the night when the little girl gets taken. Yeah. And because they can hear her through the television, they know she's still here in some sense. She's still alive. And so they need to stay in the home until they can get the girl back.
1: At, at the point where things start escalating, they escalate very quickly. Yes. It's not like one spooky thing happened and then it's two days and then another big spooky thing happened where it's like, you totally have time to leave and just leave. This is like, Spooky thing happened and it's all downhill very quickly and there's no time to do anything.
0: Yeah, that the sense of escalation I took uh, initially as potentially being a dream sequence, because that's what I've seen in modern horror films. If it jumps that quickly, it's not real. It's just a sense that one character is getting. So like when the boy was scared of a thunderstorm that was approaching and a tree breaks into his room to pull him outside... I assumed this was a little boy having a nightmare, but it turns out, no, that actually happened, and, like, that's the first time the ghost attacked the family. The
1: the nice thing about going back to some of these older horror movies is a lot of the trope that kind of are established for current horror movies didn't exist yet or hadn't kind of gotten stale yet. So, like, the thing we have with, like, jump scares now where it's, like, the fake-out jump scare or it's, -hmm. like, jump scare and then... It dies. This thing's there might be a jump scare, but it keeps going. Like jump scare, like something breaks through a window, but it's not just the window breaks and oh now we have to clean up the window. It's the window breaks and now the tree's already in the Like it uh-huh. keeps the scene keeps going. <laughs> Or like you have the jump scare of like the bugs on the food, but then that hallucination scene keeps going. There's still a bunch of other weird things that are happening. Like it doesn't just well, I look the bugs, I look away, and it's gone. Like that scene keeps going for.
2: Sarah's favorite jump scare is the clown at the end. Oh, I have a different
0: favorite jump scare.
1: The clown. (laughs) thing, I don't remember scaring me. The thing that, like, stuck with me and scared me the most of, like, like going back to me was the the pizza, like, the, the food scene with them eating the oh, food and then looking at it and being covered in, like, maggots. Because I, yes. I
0: have a note on that scene because it does seem a little out of place. We can get to that. But uh, my favorite jump scare is the joke one, which is pulled on the mom because she turns away from her kitchen table turns back and all the chairs have been sacked up on the table, which is a wonderful practical effect because it's a single shot. It means that when the frame was turned away and she was doing something, a bunch of crew members had to go and assemble the chairs really quickly and then disappear. And that's brilliant movie magic, but she sees this and is shocked by it. And then out of frame, the little girl's hand comes up to pull (laughs) on her back and totally freaks out her mom. And like, We know as an audience member that it's not the ghost, it's the little girl's hand. But it's also coming out of a frame, disembodied, and it's a little creepy. And we get the same kind of sense that the mom gets, because being jolted away from this.
1: Yeah. But no, like, the clowns didn't scare me. It was the food and getting the girl back out of the void. Yeah. it was. There's just something visceral and... Ugh.
0: Absolutely. <sighs> we we should definitely talk about that. I mean, we're not going to go through the whole plot, because they're, as you... Kind of pointed out in the 60-second synopsis. There is so much plot to this.
1: A lot of stuff happens in this movie. Once it starts going, it just goes.
0: That is what I love about Spielberg Spielberg films, especially (laughs) this one, that it is so densely packed. Like, he doesn't just do one thing and keep repeating himself. He keeps... Uh, iterating upon it and slightly changing things, and then ramping things up and like progressing and progressing and progressing.
1: But but it does give you time at the beginning to be like be with this family when they're normal for for a little bit. And then when things are a little bit weird, but you see how a normal family handles mm-hmm. a little weird. And then it's just like, nope, completely nuts, we to 11.
0: And looking back at this film from 2020, it is so interesting to think of the anachronisms that are in this film. Because a big part of the film is that dad keeps the TV on when he goes to sleep. And at a certain point during the night the day's programming is over. Like, TV just used to stop and go to static at one point. Because the film starts with the national anthem being played, which is weird, because we had initially scheduled this towards the 4th of July. as like, is this a 4th of July movie? N- and the answer is no. That is just what this TV station used to play before signing off of the air uh, and continuing their programming in the morning.
1: This is... This kind of, it's, it's very weird that this movie deals a little bit with static as something weird because, and and something creepy because there was, so as a child, we're all children that were born in the Mm eighties and all, and therefore with this podcast, we all grew up with VCRs, um. I had a terrible fear of when the VCR would get to the end of the tape. And when I was small enough and I didn't have someone who could stop the tape for me, so it would just end and then get to the static and just make that loud static noise. And I couldn't turn it off. And I was at a a sleepover once at a friend's house and she had fallen asleep before me and the movie had ended and it went to static and I couldn't figure out how to turn off, like with the lights off, figure out how to turn it off. And it just went to static. And I just sat there in my sleeping bag, like the static won't stop until her dad (laughs) Finally, noticed and came from the other room to turn it off, but it was just in the dark because people
2: use that as white noise specifically so that they sleep to it because it's supposed to be soothing.
1: See, for me, it was so it can be,
0: unless you have the the audio turned way up, which you may have needed to do because, like, the way TV signals worked is based on your signal strength, is how loud your TV would be, and so sometimes you had to really turn it up. And then as soon as it cut off, you're just getting all of the white noise from no powerful signal. And so it can be, it can be very jarring and very loud and very bright because it is mostly white light that is pulsing.
1: I hope the audience enjoyed my static noise that I just made there. I hope they're terrified. Yeah,
0: that, that might get cut out.
1: Oh, but it's, it's. Atmospheric.
0: Uh-huh. Is it? Anywho.
2: Uh,
1: they, they can all be terrified like I was terrified as a child. So
2: I think it's it's I mean what you said is kind of true. Like once things start, it just goes. But at the same time, I don't know, the first like fifteen minutes it was just kind of like, well, here's this family wandering around their house and yeah. I Coach didn't really get Coach. into it right away,
0: but...
1: Oh, but I think we established once that you guys didn't watch Coach, right?
0: No, I no. haven't seen Coach.
1: Because you didn't know who Dauber was.
0: No, I didn't know. I still don't know who Dauber is. It's <laughs> fine. Mark, I agree with you. In, like, the first 15 minutes, I think it is intentionally boring yeah. in that way, where, like, the characters aren't inherently interesting to begin with. Like, it To me, it felt it is being quintessential suburbia, where like yeah. life isn't all that interesting, but it is peaceful, and like neighbors are getting together to hang out. They've all just kind of settled in this place and are living their lives quietly and aren't all that interesting, but they're together and they're hanging out, and that's kind of neat. And if you're not a part of that society, it may not look all that interesting.
2: Well, I think that is the point, is because yeah. then you see that and it's a lot more jarring once all the other things start happening. But still, it was just kind of like, oh, this is a family, and they're at home doing family things. They're
1: totally not going to get haunted. Like
2: what you said, things that kind of go out of date, and you don't... At one point, he goes and yells at his neighbor because they have the same remote control, and his neighbor's changing his channels for him.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) That is so crazy to me. (laughs) Thinking about, like, how that could happen nowadays, and like it just couldn't. And they it have is those possible. huge
2: old have... type remotes
0: too.
1: I didn't have it with TV remotes, but I did know people in my neighborhood who had gar- like the universal garage door remote.
0: Oh, absolutely!
1: That like would accidentally, if they got too close, open someone else's garage door. <laughs>
0: Oh, God. I mean, it, it only slightly relates, but did you also have... Uh, were your parents ever freaked out if you are on a road trip where you accidentally pressed the garage door opener, worried that the garage door at home, <laughs> miles away, would suddenly open?
1: No, but... Because
0: my-, my mom was, and my dad's response was always, well, press it again, and her, to which her response is, well, now we're out of range. But... <laughs>
1: growing up in I california mean,
0: perfect sense
1: right up in california we did not use our garage our garage <sighs> was for storage we did not keep our car in it. We didn't need to. There wasn't snow or serious weather. Um, I have a new reference. It's no longer coach from coach. Okay. It's Mr. Incredible from the Incredible. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
0: That. So we can definitely talk about Craig T. Nelson. I in love this Craig film. T. Nelson. Because in the initial fifteen sec fifteen seconds, fifteen minutes of this film, where they're establishing all the characters, he does seem to come off as like that typical suburban dad, like the dad from uh, say, the Wonder Years, where he's not really connected to his family. The mom kind of takes care of the kids. The dad goes to work. He comes home. He sits in front of the tea and drinks beer. And he's not really a part of the family. On the
1: weekend, I barbecue and wear khaki shorts.
0: Exactly. I'm going to have all my friends over, all the guys from the neighborhood over to watch the game. I don't know what the kids are up to. They can take care of themselves. I'll be here. Though as the film progresses, it really establishes that like he is very much involved in his family. He is he is set up initially to be that typical suburban dad, but then juxtaposes that by like taking an interest in his son when he's scared and worried about the thunderstorm, and like really caring about his daughter uh When she goes missing and like paddling around with the teenage daughter about how she needs to get off the phone at a certain time at night. And like, I love Craig T. Nelson in this where he is simultaneously like that really broy suburban dad, but also a really great family man.
2: So I like we were talking about, i never really watched coach specifically. I Pitt. know I've seen some, you know, like parts of it, but I don't know if I ever actually sat down to watch an episode. And so I always think of him as kind of the sitcom actor. Yeah. So this was a big, like, to see him doing not only the family stuff at the beginning, but then doing the freaked out parent running around yelling at people and, like, horror movie dad at the end. It's kind of a lot more acting from him than I would have thought.
1: He has my favorite line in the movie. Again, I've referenced the very end where he's <laughs> screaming into the phone. Uh-huh. Which is the, you moved the cemetery but you left the bodies!
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert. But we are going to get to it eventually. You left
1: the bodies and only moved the headstones.
0: Yeah. Oh boy. That is a point in the film where I was curious if this was going to be we built our homes at an ancient burial ground type of thing.
1: Yes! Which Kind of. Which
0: is the case, but also, like, there's a point where his boss is taking him around the neighborhood, uh, showing him, like, this is where we're gonna build the big expensive homes, and if you stay with our company, we can offer you one of those because you're a great salesman for us. And he's showing off this giant hillside that looks over the valley, and it turns the camera, and where they're going to build the house is this graveyard. Uh, And Craig T. Nelson is worried about this, because why wouldn't you be? And his boss says, it's not an ancient tribal burial ground, these are just people. <laughs> it's The boss is a very strange opinion about buried people and whether or not people who have people buried in cemeteries would like to visit them.
1: It's such a weird take on the, like, 80s trope of like corporate greed thing and like sticking it screwing the little guy over but with ghosts and it's so funny to me
2: well and uh, during that same scene he you know he was talking about well are you sh- what are we gonna do about this graveyard here you just get you know we can't build here there's a graveyard and he says oh we'll just have them move it we've done it before and then it's kind of like hmm That's I wonder where they did it before <laughs>
1: That's not crazy. Moving graveyards does happen. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's fine.
1: (laughs) But normally you don't cheap out on moving the graveyard.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Normally there's some I don't know, government oversight in moving a graveyard in that they verify that like nothing is stolen, all the headphones are headphones, headphones, (laughs) headstones are in the right place, uh, and that the coffins are actually moved.
2: Yeah, I don't know how you would move a graveyard without moving the the
0: graves so the thing that gets me is they built homes on this homes have foundations built into the ground does the foundation not go six feet down this was what i was gonna ask sarah because she
2: grew up in california right yeah i i don't think this specific house even has a basement which i don't i I don't think without a basement there would be a foundation which would go down more than six feet
1: yeah, I don't know about that, but house, I don't know of a single house that I ever went to in California that had a basement. They're just not common there. You don't need them because obviously we don't have tornadoes or really any like sort of weather where you...
2: You do have earthquake.
1: You don't go underground <laughs> for earthquakes. No,
2: I know, but your house needs the foundation and yes. all that. Really. Yeah, yes, I don't correct. know
1: how, how deep a foundation goes. Sure. I'm not an engineer or a construction...
0: Maybe it's less Than six feet, but you would still see some of the dirt disturbed if you get down deep enough. Sure. And I don't
1: know how old this cemetery is.
0: So the thing that I found curious is they talk in the film how their house they moved into phase one, which apparently was built in this graveyard. And then I think they mentioned at some point that the youngest daughter was born in the home where and she's five years old. Mm -hmm. And so they've been there at least five years why is it now that the ghosts are starting to come and bother this family? and
2: what i wondered is so again towards the end when everything else starts happening it's the whole neighborhood why is it only their house for the majority of the movie
0: like i wonder if which is not fully explored in the film there's there's a lot of for the, the amount of detail that is in this film, there's a lot of, like, stories, threads that start and then aren't fully explored, and this is definitely one of them. Because my interpretation was the ghost needed something to let them out or, like, something to connect them to the real world, which they found in The Young Girl. And once that connection was established, they could start affecting the real world and ramp up their power, yada, yada, yada. But like, the film doesn't explicitly say that. It's left to an audience's interpretation.
1: Um, yeah, Zelda Rubenstein, whatever <laughs> her character, t- something with a T to, to,
0: cause the, the other things that I saw that uh, were explored, Gina? introduced, maybe, uh, that were introduced and not fully explored in this film, uh, were, The beginning of the film sees the young girl wandering down the stairs when she should be asleep uh, and yelling at a TV screen, which wakes up the entire house. And nobody comes to talk to her, even though she's screaming at a TV. Everyone's just kind of sitting there around her, waiting to see what's going to happen. And later in the film, the mom explains that the girl sleepwalks, much like the mom did in her younger days. And so the idea was that while sleepwalking, she went to the TV and they were afraid to wake her up because that's not what you do to sleepwalking people. And they were afraid if they built a pool that the girl might sleepwalk and fall into the pool without them knowing it and drown herself. But then like that whole sleepwalking thing never really explored again. It was brought up as a fear and then just abandoned
2: well i guess my take on that was that maybe this was the first time she had been sleepwalking and so the mom was just assuming hey maybe she's just sleepwalking because i did that when i was growing up and really she was actually woken up by the voices she was hearing from the tv so she wasn't actually asleep which may be why she never did sleepwalking again after that
0: interesting but i the the other one that is hinted at but not explicitly stated in the film was that the, the ghosts, the poltergeist antics are all based around fears that have been established in the film. Like, the little kid, the little boy, is afraid of the tree that is outside his window. And the tree is the first thing that the poltergeist commands and uses to attack the boy. He's also afraid of the storm. And every time the ghost comes, there's a storm going on outside. And he's afraid of the clown. And later in the film, the clown comes to choke him. And it seems like the poltergeist is always taking the form of the fears of the people that it's attacking, but this is also left to an audience interpretation and never explicitly stated in the film.
2: I thought the the crazy medium lady said it at some point.
0: Sell the rubber sign. She, she does. Say she said it
2: uses your fears
0: or something. They know what you fear. You need to clear your mind. Yeah, but like, why do they know what I fear? Well, They're how? Dope. Why is that a part of it? Can the ghost read my mind? Is it in my mind? Was the ghost inside me the whole time?
1: They're on a different sphere of
0: consciousness. Uh, they're on a different channel on the TV.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> the all static
0: channel. All static all the time, uh, no program. But Zelda
1: Rubenstein said something about the Carol Ann. Carol. I was trying to do his Yeah, she Zelda has a Rubenst-
0: weird name too. Yeah. I
1: was trying to do Carol Ann in the Zelda Rubenstein voice and it didn't just the, the
0: Zelda not- route R- yeah. character we need to get to because she is Her-
1: wild.
0: Her- 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 Her-
1: <laughs> anyway, that she's like she's like a light and she distracts them from going to the real light. Yes, and maybe she has to get to a certain age for that light to get bright enough that they start getting so. So the poltergeist and we keep saying poltergeist, but it's actually poltergeist. There's, there's many little poltergeists, and then there's the big poltergeist, which is the bee. Okay. So, But they're like fireflies. And when, when Car- Carol Ann Carol was little, she was just like a little glow light. But now she's turned into like one of those like army flashlights that they advertise on TV. And now she's really bright, and they're like, oh, I don't want to go to the light. I want to go to Carol Ann. And now they're being a distraction.
0: Ah, uh, okay. So that's why they it took five years for the ghost to come along.
1: Because she wasn't bright enough yet. She was just a tiny cheap one dollar mini flashlight. Dumb. <laughs> she was just a keychain flashlight before. And now she's a big mag light.
2: Did that so I why was she
0: that. special? Why didn't think they because, come after any of the other people that were like Well, they did. They came after the young boy as well.
1: He's he's like a medium flashlight.
0: I think she was special because one she was born in the home they have known her her entire life and two I think she may be the youngest child in the neighborhood and so I think there's something about how young child young children are so full of life
1: I also think it's just because she's a creepy blonde child and creepy blonde child children also just have a special connection to spiritual world in
0: the- Give me several examples
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um Oh, I guess in The Shining, he's more of a brunette.
0: Yeah, though... Maybe
1: that's it. She just has The Shining. Some people I was just gonna say, the Shining. I was going to say
0: the twins that movie, but I think they're also brunettes. Yes.
1: No, are,
0: are they? Yeah, they come play with us. I believe they are. Also,
1: they're dead. They got murdered by their father. Their father well, should yeah. have murdered them.
0: Danny also maybe got... Well, not maybe. Almost got murdered by his But father.
1: he didn't get murdered because he's in a sequel.
0: Yeah, we should not watch that. Anyway, back to this. <laughs> but should
1: though. we read it? It's Put it on the list good. for the podcast. No, it came out this year. Last year? No, oh. I don't remember. This year has felt like a million years. The point is, um, Firestarter is she blonde? Blonde in Firestarter?
2: Yeah, it's uh.
1: You're Barrymore, isn't Barrymore. it? Barrymore, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, back to this film. <laughs> I really love the foreshadowing that Spielberg does, especially in, like, even though it's not fully explained why the ghosts are taking on the form of people's fears.
1: Because that's what ghosts do.
0: Oh Yeah, but all the fears are established, which is foreshadowing to the ghost coming in that form. Like, the... The clown is definitely foreshadowed very early in the film before it gets to the end where he actually attacks the boy. The other great foreshadowing that I saw was the boy and the girl have a pet bird in their room. Oddly enough, a canary that dies very early in the film. Definitely a reference to like a canary in a coal mine type of thing uh, where it senses danger. And then they go through the process of burying this canary in a cigar box in the ground in their home doing a nice little burial service before the little girl can get another pet. That bird should have come back as a ghost. Disagree. Uh <laughs> that would I don't think they had the budget for that. Ghost bird! Ghost bird. Uh but that sounds when they are when they are digging up the ground for making the the pool in their backyard, they accidentally dig up the spot where they buried the bird. Buried. And we can see the the bird coffin come out of the ground, which is great foreshadowing for the end of the film.
1: I did mention in my original thing what happens with the pool scene, right? Well, the the um, trivia about pool the pool scene? scene. Very no, end. No, go ahead. They used real skeletons.
0: What were these? Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Were these skeletons donated for like science?
1: No, I think they bought them from China.
0: <laughs> That's so much worse.
1: I'll have to look it up but I think that is what they are real skeletons and I think that's what they say is that they bought.
0: Fuck. But
1: let me look this up. Okay. <laughs> the 80s were a weird time guys.
0: Cuz that's horrible.
1: Well, yes. Um also this is another movie with a curse and children actors dying. Yes. Yeah.
2: That was yeah, I when I was looking at the, I don't think any the boy did not. He is he still alive. He did not but both of the child girls did
0: <laughs> Really? Were they did they die in mysterious circumstances?
2: No. <laughs> well, like the older teen girl was actually God. in her 20s. She got
1: shot, right?
2: Yeah, well, I think I don't know, jealous ex or something.
1: Killed by the boyfriend. And, and the younger the one, one had
2: some disease. Yes. She had a heart... Something happened, she passed out, and then on the way to the hospital had a heart attack or something. I just read it today, so I don't remember all the details.
0: Wait, wait, so you read it recently, and not like a week ago, which is why you can't remember? Exactly. She okay. had some
1: sort of block it internal blockage.
0: Right, okay. Well, that is terrible and i'm sure with the cult status of this film people have definitely attributed that to being a cursed film
1: it does get mentioned in um references of cursed films because there was other stuff as well
0: sure uh but i don't necessarily buy into that and while it is a tragedy i don't know if we need to talk about it on a comedy podcast
1: Why not? I love curses. Sure. That's what you get when you buy corpses from China.
0: While we are on the subject of the teenage girl, uh, whose name is Dana in this film, there was something that I noticed, because when the dad goes for paranormal help after the young girl, Carol Ann, has gone missing, he explains the situation at UC Irvine before inviting these experts back into his home. And so he gives all the family members and their ages... And it's curious to me that the mom is thirty-one, the dad thirty-two, yes. Dana is sixteen. Yeah. Meaning the mom <laughs> had Dana when she was fifteen.
1: In the novelization they that. fix it. Okay. In the novelization, she's the stepmother.
0: Okay. Well, like, even the dad though, he would have had her when he was sixteen. Don't I? So ask I mean me. it's interesting to me that these parents are so pretty cool with Dana like going out all the time. And at one point, like Dana makes a comment. It's like, Oh, I, I know that motel. And her mom goes, what? <laughs> uh, implying that uh, eh, maybe she did some me. stuff, which is, it's curious to me that parents who had children so young, aren't I guess a little bit more protective of a daughter that age maybe getting into the same sort of situation not fully explored Dana's not the main character of this film just something interesting going on in the background
2: yeah we don't really see her that much
0: no implying that she is out a lot with boys
2: well so you're talking about those Ghostbuster team um yeah who you got to call. Well, I thought it was great cuz they show like they're doing this whole thing trying to explain how they're such a great team and the guys like, "Oh yeah, this one house that there was this toy car that took 7 hours to roll across the room." <laughs> and he's I got it all on video. You would never see it with the naked eye, but I videotaped the whole thing. And the guy's just like, "Oh, okay." And then opens the door and everything is flying around the room and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
0: yeah, I loved that, where the experts, these paranormal experts that have devoted their lives at a college university to study this stuff, are way out of their depth when it comes to dealing with this poltergeist. Ah, uh, it was... I really love that team. I really love um, the relationship that the mom and dad have in this film, because again, with the film setting up this as a traditional suburban family. It could very like very much be a sitcom family where the dad is just a large child and the mom is the real head of the household and they bicker a lot and argue. But like this film is so lovely in that these two people clearly love each other. Like they've been together since they were fifteen and sixteen and <laughs> They seem to, it see, it makes sense to me why these two people are together. Like, there does seem to be genuine chemistry between these two characters.
1: Apparently, it seems to say that Steve doesn't say his age. It just says Diane's age. And so he must be older than her.
0: I, where, are you reading Wikipedia?
1: Yes. Or no, IMDB.
0: Okay. IMDB. You could be right. My notes have his age written down. I, it may have been passed off somewhere in passing but like when he's going through the ages i definitely have his age written down in that same section
1: because it says in the novelization it says that diane is steve's second wife and dana is diane's stepdaughter
0: okay like that it makes it slightly more acceptable we don't need to know the dad's age maybe that's not all that important and even in this film it's a slightly weird thing that is kind of glossed over because it isn't the focus of the film.
1: I I think it was just someone because because the actors are not both Craig T Nelson and um oh, what is her name uh, Joe Beth Williams are not mm-hmm. old enough to be parents to any of those children. Yeah. So I think it was just a matter of well we want their ages kind to be close to their real ages. And then not realizing that made the timeline weird.
0: Yeah. Also, while we're on the subject of Dana, there's there's maybe one or two scenes in this film that didn't age well. Uh, and one in particular, the one I'm about to bring up, is kind of unacceptable. Uh, where they're building a pool in their backyard and there's a bunch of construction workers at the house and Dana leaves oh. to go to school. Yep. <laughs> and... These construction workers, which I have to imagine are in their late 20s or 30s, are doing wolf whistles at the 16-year-old girl and, like, clearly sexually harassing this girl who is at her home and their boss happens to be the dad of this home. And it's just like, what are you doing? doing. And like it's played off for laughs because Dana flips them off and the mom smirks like, Oh, she knows how to handle herself.
2: Yeah. And then that doesn't was the part say that anything
0: was- to these men.
2: The fact that that the mom was just laughing about it was what made it weird to me. Like, I mean, at least the daughter, yeah, you get mad and would flip them off and whatever. Right. But the fact that the mom just acts like it's a big joke is like,
0: really? Oh, see, I was mad at the construction workers before either woman was involved in this. Because, like, I get the trope that construction workers on a site would wolf-whistle a pretty woman they saw. But, like, they're not on a construction site. They're at somebody's home. And, like, they just have no professionalism, and they're doing this trope to a very young girl. And it's just like, what? This doesn't make sense to me, and it is awful.
2: Well, and it has nothing to do with the film either, so... It was kind of, like, unnecessary, I guess.
1: Um, Craig T. Nelson was 38, maybe 37 when filming, and then uh, Joveth Williams was 34. All
0: right, Sarah, you have to move on from this.
1: No, i like to be specific. That's
2: what I was going to say. We've been talking about something else for five minutes, and suddenly the ages come back. I will say that I just had it it playing in the background while you were talking, and I think he said that... His wife is thirty one, maybe thirty two. So I think that's uh, where you got thirty two from. Okay.
0: Oh,
1: so he's also really bad at
0: yeah. <laughs> no. To okay. be fair, he knows he knows his children's ages.
1: To be fair, I had my sister ask me yesterday, "How old am I?" And I'm like, <laughs> "You're I, you do not know how old you yourself is."
0: Uh-huh. You yourself is. You
1: yourself is. I'm right. like, I guess I can't blame you if you don't know how old I am, if you do not know how old you are.
0: So, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about because I well, I wasn't sure how to interpret this, and I have a few ideas, but I want to get your guys' take on it.
1: Through dance?
0: Yes. Uh, So I'm going to do an interpretive dance, and you guys have to figure out what the question is and then respond.
2: And all the listeners are going to watch your dance as well. Oh, uh,
0: for the listeners, it's just the Macarena. Oh, it's
1: about people cheating on each other
0: oh is that what the macarena is about i'm
1: pretty sure it's something like okay.
0: that. okay i thought it was just bullshit spanish
1: no there is a plot to that song
0: <laughs> uh what i was gonna bring up and talk about was when the girl is taken there does seem to be a plot going on with the guys where it uses the tree to come in and take the boy who screams for help and now the boy has been taken outside the window and is outside, and so his parents run to the tree, his dad climbs the tree and saves the boy at the last second from being taken by the tree's root as a tornado comes by and sucks the tree up. And while this is going on, the gravitational force of the girl's closet has increased and she is everything in the room, including her, is being sucked towards the closet. So, did the poltergeist want the boy, or was this just a distraction so that it could get Carol Ann?
1: I say it's a distraction because obviously the boy isn't a big enough flashlight. We talked about this.
0: Sure, but the the poltergeist wasn't necessarily interested in the flashlight. I think it was the other ghosts that were in the house that were, and that's why they couldn't move on.
1: No, no, no. Carol Ann is special.
0: Of course she is.
1: <laughs> she has soul energy. Soul energy? I don't think that's right.
0: Hey, that is close enough to what the medium says later in the film.
1: Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah. Give her her full title. <laughs>
0: Her full name? Her full name. <laughs> okay. We
1: still don't know what her character's name was. She's just Albert Ruinstein.
0: But the boy is also trying to be taken in the, the end of the film, where the mom has to come in and save them. Both children are in at risk at the end here. And so I wonder if the boy was a ploy in order to get the girl, or whether it wanted both children and can only get one of them.
1: I think the girl's tastier. Just wanted the girl.
0: I've always said that. <laughs>
1: And then I think at the the end it's just desperately get trying to get what it can get, and it'll take like Carol Ann's steak and the boy's hamburger. <laughs> and at the end, and and in the middle, it's like I can be picky and just take the steak, but at the end everything's going wonky, so I'm just going to take whatever I can grab.
0: I like that you brought up steak uh, because it leads into the, the cool other part practical of the film I wanted to talk about, about: the
1: Walking Steak.
0: Oh. That is great.
1: They just stuck a wire in it and went. Ooh.
0: That's really great. Um, uh, but <laughs> I wanted to get to, to establish to, see, to our listeners the paranormal experts of the university are staying at the home overnight. The family is sleeping in the living room because all the bedrooms were upstairs, and that's uh, the girls' room is where all the weird activity is going on. And so they kind of want to isolate themselves because again,
1: that. she's a maglite,
0: right? Um, and so. The two guys in the paranormal team are up really late at night, and one of them decides, well, we're gonna be up for a while, I'm gonna go get a snack. And the snack that he gets is this thick steak from the fridge, meaning that he's gonna cook a steak in the middle of the night while everyone else is sleeping without asking permission of whether or not he can eat this thing. Like a steak is not a snack, it is a meal. And it bothered me that he was gonna cook a full meal without asking permission from the people at the home, whether or not he could have that much food.
1: Maybe he brought the steak.
0: Uh, But yes, we get into the point where he has a dream sequence where he sees bugs in the food. He sees the steak get up and walk away.
1: This scene just, I don't know if it's because I had very weird things. I say say this like it's not a thing now. I had things with food as a child.
0: (laughs) Do you mean you ate food? Were, you, were the things with food the meals that you were served?
1: <laughs> I was just very picky about food. Was. Um, I, I say this like it's
0: not a thing now. Do you still... Wait, I can't really remember uh, because it's a while... Uh, since we have shared a meal, I know you have specific rules on pizza topics. Um, are you, I can't remember, do you separate all your food groups as you're eating them?
1: There are categories. Ah. There are categories of what things can and cannot touch. There's a lot of food I will straight up not eat. I am very um, picky about texture of food. Um, there are some foods I just can't physically digest, like raw onions. Makes sense. Um, And there's just, some things that, like, physically looking at them make me want to die. <laughs> and so I don't know. If, and, and this is something that, like, I have always done the whole food separating thing. I have always been super picky. Like, like it's never been an issue to the point of, like, I needed, I mean, I'm sure my parents thought I needed help. But, like, I could always get the proper nutrients and stuff, so it was never, like, a super big issue. It was just obnoxious. <laughs> but because I had all those things with like looking at certain foods mixing together like made me physically ill and things like that, this scene with food was somehow like the scariest scene in the movie for me like food with just just food.
0: <laughs> so this this scene specifically reminds me of a scene that freaked me out as a kid. Um, it was from the movie Ghost Ship and
1: <laughs> we should watch that movie. I love that.
0: We, movie. we should. It's great. Maybe it'll be my next pick. Who knows? But there's a scene in the film where they're exploring the ship and these two guys who aren't really concerned with doing any actual work find themselves in the kitchen and they start rummaging through the food and they find, Oh, cool. I found a can of beans and I'm starving. And so I'm going to start eating this stuff. Oh, this food is delicious. And as they are eating, they discover that what they are in is one of those like paranormal realities where what they're seeing is not really what is happening. And they break out of this by discovering that the rice or whatever they have been eating is just maggots. Like, the food has decomposed to the point where it is just all maggots, and they 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 realize they've been eating this stuff for five minutes now, and so their stomach's just full of it now.
1: Everyone knows if you're gonna eat the b- bugs, cook them first so they stop moving!
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so while <laughs> we are can't. on the subject of this steak, and this terrible food that you have brought I up... Just, um, I just
1: feel so unhappy now!
0: This is, to me... The worst effect in this film. The stake? I think, no, not the The stake. The part right after the stake where he goes to the mirror to calm himself down and like splash water in his face. Oh, Because for a film that is full of great practical effects, this is a practical effect that doesn't work anymore. Because the camera goes away and comes back. And when it comes back, his face has clearly been replaced with a doll. Like, clearly replaced with a bad silicone imitation of a human being. And then he starts clawing at his face, uh, I think, to get something off of it. And then realizes that he's taking away skin. And then he doesn't stop and just keeps clawing away at his face until, like, his jaw comes off.
1: I think for me this never bugged me, but I think at that point during the movie... I am in so much of a panic and like I definitely would be the person like if any of that food was still touching me I definitely would be like clawing my face <laughs> off and like having a freak out that like I didn't even notice the effect I was just get my face off Get, like I was that
0: person get my, face, get
2: my face, off. face off I it off I think face it off. kind of reminds me of I think we talked about something like that for the Terminator when he's like replacing oh, his eyeball yeah, or something eyeball. and it's like totally fake, obviously mm-hmm. not a but real also, looking
1: person. We've also talked about how much I love a good fake head, so. Yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you like fake heads, this <laughs> film's got one.
1: But also at that point, I'm so like, just melting down that I can't even focus well, on special Well, and, and it's I like what you
2: said, I think this I that effect just doesn't age well and so for me it's just kind of like like as soon as it pops up it's like oh well that's a fake head something's going to happen to his face <laughs> and and right. that's just like it's not as scary for us as it might have been then because we recognize it
0: the thing that bothered me here was one it is a bad effect in a film with genuinely good effects that do hold up and secondly this is just a dream sequence As soon as his face has all been decomposed, he looks away and back to the mirror and he's fine, suggesting that what he saw in the stake and what he saw in the mirror with his face decomposing didn't really happen. Whereas everything else we see in the film is happening to the characters in the film having a dream sequence occur to someone who's not even a main character is kind of a break of reality of what we've already established here.
2: Well, you call it a dream sequence, but I i guess I don't know what, what else you would call it necessarily, but I feel nation. like he was actually up doing stuff and it was Correct. just like, the poltergeist is messing with him and making him see things.
0: Sure. So it's like a, a daydream instead of sleep. Right?
2: Yeah, but yeah. I guess I don't yeah, I don't know what else you would, would call it. Sure. But.
1: Hallucination.
0: Sarah has been saying hallucination, but let me say it as a man, so you listen. Hallucin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because I assume if he goes out there, the food is still gonna be out on the counter. He just so all of the eating and the food and the stuff like that, that was happening. Just there was like this ghost overlay and even though like maybe he might actually like have been scratching his face it's just that the actual vision of his face coming off was like an overlay
2: it's like the opposite of the ghost ship thing
0: yeah, exactly. Where the overlay is the horrible thing, whereas the reality is not Because it's, it's not bad. like yeah. he was
1: just, like, the, the way it would have been done now is that would have all happened and then it would have been like jump scare, completely awake, and he would have been in a different room and have been asleep mm-hmm. the whole time. I think it was more like a, I'm not going to say overlay again. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was still, like, if someone had been watching him, he was still acting out and doing all of those things. Just no one else besides him could see all of the fear stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, so immediately after this is where they get documentary proof of the the ghost. I think they called a, Car- a Carol Ann. Carol Ann! Uh, <laughs> and the mom is on the stairs and Carol Ann's spirit runs through her, which is an interesting thing because the mom feels this spirit go through her and then she can smell her child on her. Now, I don't have children, But I don't know if I could identify a person through smell in that way, but like both the mom and the dad agree, having not been near their child in a couple of weeks, like, yes, that is definitely her smell, 100%. As if they are suddenly bloodhounds.
1: There's certain people if they have like specific routine, I recognize the smell of. So maybe like she has specific like this is product she uses all the time. And yes,
0: this okay, I, products. I I can agree.
1: So maybe like she uses Mister Bubbles bath soap all the <laughs> time, and so she smells vaguely like this.
0: Why would that be on her spirit? <laughs>
1: Because her soul also... But, like...
0: I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Because the specific one I have in my mind is my father my entire life has used Old... Not Old Navy. Um, old Spice? Old Spice Aftershave. <laughs> and it's another company with Old and it's close because... Old Spice has shifts in their labels.
1: My, my grandmother, for the most of her life, uh, white diamonds. Elizabeth right. Taylor white diamonds. So
0: whenever I I get a musk of Old Spice, and it's just like, oh, is my dad here? It's just I get that century sensual. Nope, sens- sensible. Nope, I can't get it. <laughs> sensory, sensory, there we go. Uh, memory.
2: Oh boy, uh,
0: <laughs> I got
2: there. No, but yeah, the same thing. I that it's like. Again, but again, like what you said, it would be more products than people. Right,
0: but like they can, I. there is something in like newborns where the mom oh, the baby smell. loves the smell of the child. It's like
1: puppies, it's a baby smell.
0: I don't know if that would continue for five years after being born though. Maybe it does, I don't have kids. It just seemed weird to me and I wanted to talk about it.
1: I wonder if there kind of implying at certain times that the mother maybe has a little bit of the shining but now that she's an adult she's not as bright but whatever the weird she has the glowy spirit the special spirit because she talked about like having similarities to the child when she was younger and stuff like that i wonder if she's saying well she also kind of had that but she at the time didn't live in a haunted house so obviously she didn't get dragged into a closet, but sure. maybe that's why she can, the combination of being the mother, but also being kind of this connected glow, sp- glow spirit.
0: <laughs> this glow stick for her that, child. That Jordan. she
1: can can kind of connect with her in this way. And maybe that's why she can have the smell and why she can have the, whatever she smells like in real life. I don't they both understand have the how, force and she is a I, force
2: ghost.
0: I right. don't
1: know how how <laughs> spirits work. I'm, I I'm not either. a spirit scientist. I didn't go to UC <laughs> Irvine.
0: So it's interesting that in the novelization to fix the weird teenage relationship that they make the mom the stepmom.
1: Only to the oldest one.
0: Only to the old Okay, that makes sense. Because to me, the connection between mother and daughter in this film is that the mother birthed this child. She created this child within her womb she would add it this. It's. What would you say? I
1: don't know. I just don't like Uterus, that. Uterus?
0: Is that better? Is that even factual? I don't know. Birth signs. I
1: don't like it. I don't know. I just. Anywho. Like, say, noise. The woman.
0: And the child are connected through body because they were at one time the same body. This whole conversation I was getting is weird. What? It's that it's the connection that the father wouldn't have, even though he's the same relation to the, the child.
2: At one point when they're trying to get her attention, the, she says, well, which one of you does she fear? And they say, oh, well, it must be him because he yells at her. <laughs>
0: Which I love that he argues against that. It's just like, oh, come on. I've never touched them. I hardly ever yell at them. He's just in charge of discipline at the home. And I love that he goes, he is forced uh, to go against his personality and yell at Carol Ann, threatening to spank her, something he would never do in real life in order to get Carol Ann back. I love that they've established this dad is a good, Dad. Which
2: and in the eighties was before spanking was a taboo thing. So,
0: oh so. yeah, no, I am well aware. I got spanked as a child, and it was totally cool with everyone. Is
1: that why your hair is gone?
0: <laughs> why, explain. Why is explain the logic of that question. Because I, I don't know if I could justify it with an answer. Because I don't understand it.
1: The force <laughs> of it made your hair pop out of your head.
0: Okay, but that was. That would mean I have more hair on my head and less hair on my ass.
1: No, no, it, it, <laughs> no, it was so said, strong, it just went poom.
0: Okay. All of
2: your hair follicles, follicles just, just flew off because gotcha, you were smacked because so my, hard.
0: Because my hair was at the end point of my body, and so the force followed through to my follicles. Yeah. I, okay. Um, Science cool. It made sense. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, I understand that you're not a body scientist, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not how the body works. I'm
1: not an anything <laughs>
0: scientist. Oh, goodness. All right. Um, so where the heck were we? You know, we haven't, we haven't talked about the mom at all of this. I, well, we have talked about her relationship with Carol Ann, but not much of her as a Carol character. <laughs> Carol Ann! I- None of us sound
1: like Silva. So- <laughs>
0: no. I really like... Both of the parents of this film. We've talked a lot about Craig T. Nelson as You the mean dad coach from coach? From coach from coach. I love the mom in this film because she is she reminds me of my own mom, which is a credit to this actress's acting in this film.
1: And as we know, your mom is lovely. She
0: is delightful, thank you. Delightful
2: is the word, of Sarah.
1: Sorry!
2: Both
0: are true. It was fine. But I love the relationship she has with her kids it definitely seems like a genuine mother daughter relationship there's a lot of points in the film where she is in a robe which in this time period is a very much shorthand for suburban mother who wears a robe around the house a lot because she's too busy with the kids to you know get herself made up or put on clothes at the end of the night just like okay I'll put on the simplest thing so that I can take care of the kids and get them situated and then take care of myself later. And it's just, I love the relationship he has with the dad where, there's a point in the scene, There's a point in this movie where, like, they're in their bedroom and they're just both smoking pot in the home, <laughs> and like, it's totally cool because this is California or whatever, and nobody cares. Yeah, I love their relationship. I love both of the parents of this film. So, w-
2: what we learned from this is that Carl's mom smokes pot in the house.
0: <sighs> she she'd be better off if she did. Probably, <laughs> I will
1: no say, not everyone in Southern California is a hippie.
0: <laughs> but, but. Do they have a lot of hippies?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but not in that part. Not in Orange County. They're mostly, like, middle-class, like, boring people in Orange County.
0: So, in your estimation, a hippie is someone who smokes pot recreationally or someone who devotes their life to smoking pot? Because these definitely seem like recreational smokers maybe lighting up a weed doobie once a week.
1: Uh... No, like it's weird because my town was very sheltered. To the point where, so everyone thought I was coming from California, oh, that's where the bad people live. I didn't hear a curse word until I moved to Iowa. Iowa is where all the elementary school people curse, not my elementary school in Southern California.
0: I agree with you. I moved here in fifth grade and had to learn a lot of slang terms for things I was made fun of because I didn't understand all the (laughs) weird curse words that they'd come up with.
1: My elementary school in California was just full of weird overachievers who got way too serious about whatever our extracurricular was. And <laughs> that explains to a
0: lot. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember the specific one now. I got made fun of in fifth grade because I didn't know what a dyke was. Like,
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't wouldn't have known. I that understood
0: what that a lesbian was, but i had never heard that term before. Oh,
1: I would not have at that age. Um, so the first slang word I encountered in Iowa was not a bad word. It was a completely normal word, but I was in class and the teacher says, pull out your trapper,
0: <laughs> which was
1: for trapper keeper, which was Absolutely. not a word. It was just a...
0: Binder? Do you just, just a, call it a binder? It was
1: just a zippered binder. That yeah. is what, like, I don't even know if, like, the brand Trapper Keeper was all that popular in Is California. that even a
0: thing anymore?
1: Trapper Keeper? No. Yeah, the brand still exists.
0: So, they exist. I don't know if kids would use them. I, at least through my right. progression through school, that term kind of lost prominence. In
1: in Pella, it was still pretty popular to call it a trapper um but when i first moved here so one of the teachers like pull out your trapper and i just went did I missed something that was supposed to be like on the school supply list and I had to wait there for like a good fifteen seconds till I saw what someone was pulling out. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's just a binder. It's just a binder. Why don't
0: you just call it a binder? Exactly. And I'm like, We already already have a term for this. Why do we need more terms for this? Like,
1: but there was definitely things where I was like, I don't know what I don't know what any of these things are.
0: All right. So we have been Well, at least I am bringing up the minutia of this film because I think that is the more interesting thing to talk about because this film is very popular and people know the really good things about it. But I'm also afraid that our current review of this is kind of middling, whereas (laughs) this film is going fairly high in my ratings. So I want to get to the things you loved about this film, like the was it the special effects? Was it... Uh, the relationships between the characters. What is something that you really enjoyed about this film?
1: Zelda Rubenstein.
0: <laughs> sure. Let's talk about her then.
1: She is a tiny woman with a weird voice who mm-hmm. just comes in and fixes everything.
0: Does she? she
1: well, no. no she <laughs>
0: So she is playing the role in horror films of the supernatural expert that is brought in to deal with the problem, finally. Like, we have paranormal experts here but that are way out of their league, and so they are calling in the big guns expert And that is who this character is. And
1: Zelda Rubenstein is hard to explain because she is, there is no, like, the closest I can come up with to, like, put her in a category is, like, Danny DeVito.
0: (laughs) I, yes, I kind of get that. So my description of her when she entered, because she is, so, Sarah, you've seen her in other things. Is the voice she's using in here her normal voice? Yes. Okay.
1: That's just her voice.
0: She is maybe not acting in that. She's not lilting her voice at all, but she is a crazy character. Like this film has been fairly grounded thus far in that. Yes. Supernatural things are going on, but the paranormal experts at least have some sort of scientific mumbo jumbo to explain what's going on. And like, They've done experiments in seeing how things act and things act consistently. She is wild to me because when she is introduced, she is so out of place. She does talk in a different spiritual mumbo jumbo instead of science fiction mumbo jumbo. But my description of her where she entered was new women in home, southern, old, vaguely Asian features.
2: (laughs) I don't. I guess she didn't seem out of place to me. She just seems like, like you said, she's the expert. So she has to kind of seem kookier than everyone else because she knows all about this stuff
1: she is four foot three she is the child of jewish immigrant parents okay and she is from pittsburgh i don't know if that explains the accent i've never been to pittsburgh it
0: might it doesn't explain the vaguely asian features it may just be that she has a very i don't know i i am not going to justify my opinion that is what she looked like to me look at her and see if that but she is your, uh,
1: vaguely a very similar character in Teen Witch, where she is the the older witch advisor to Teen Witch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think part of it for me, the reason why I rejected her initially, is because she comes in so late in the film. Yeah,
2: and that's, I, I don't think she seemed out of place, but it was just, they just kept introducing more and more people, and it was kind of... Like, I I was getting into the movie, and it's like, well, our, our, it's been going for almost two hours. Aren't we almost to the end? How are they introducing new people all of a sudden?
0: And introducing an important character this late in the film doesn't give the audience time to really connect with that character, because we're basing our interpretation based on the characters we already know and have formed a relationship with. The other thing that bothered me is she is presented in this film, especially when she enters, as sort of a tarot card, mystic, psychic person. Like someone you would go to their shop in some sort of strip mall to get your fortune read. She is very much that sort of character. And in a film where like, they have contacted scientific experts that have brought in tools to record things and meters to look at like body temperature or whatever, this is a different interpretation of ghosts. And it seems less genuine because we've already seen the scientific side of things. And so, when she is initially talking to the mother, talking about how she senses Carolann in the home, and she needs the mom to believe in her, uh, or else anything that she does is not really going to work. To me, this was almost like she's giving this woman who may have lost a child false hope that she is not going to be able to do anything about really and like that's what real mystics do they prevent people from moving on from losing people and present them with false hope that they can still talk to people who've gone on to the other side and i maybe brought my i maybe brought that bias to this character and so didn't really like her at the beginning that was a long-winded way of saying that I didn't like her initially. She did grow on me by the end of the film.
1: I just like her because she's kind of crazy, <laughs> and I like me a kind of crazy character.
0: Yeah, I mean, she is definitely uh, playing to the back wall. Uh, she is she's really <laughs> giving this role her all. Though she her speech also bothered me a little bit. This is the speech where she explains Caroland is a light and ghost like lights. <laughs> Carol Ann is a light, and she loves lights and ghosts are lights, and so go to the light, but don't.
1: Um, it's gotta be better than my version about flashlights. This one's a mag light, and this one's a keychain.
0: At least it wasn't a speech
2: about sand.
0: (laughs) True. (laughs) So, my note on her speech here is, women talks in a whisper and in mysterious riddles. Because nothing of what she's saying makes a whole lot of sense. But, like, it's that weird mystic mumbo-jumbo where you kind of get what she's going for. Like, there's a life force in all of us, and children have a powerful life force. And the spirits from beyond can't get to the light, because the life force is also a light. And it is a beacon more powerful than the beyond!
2: And her her speech rhythm, I guess, is also strange. Which I I I nearly fell asleep during her talking. I think it kind of adds to her, I mean... For the character she's playing, it fits, maybe, but it's it's kind of a different pattern where she pauses in weird places, and, and sometimes it was difficult to follow. Uh, overall, like, she's in the movie for a while, and she's kind of important because she's the one that finally gets them to kind of cross over and try to save the child, but... Go to the light, Caroline! But I don't feel Hello. like she was the most important person in the movie, Well,
1: obviously, the family is the most important The family
0: is the most important, and they're definitely the protagonist. Though, she is important in that she is the, like, she is the expert. They well, call yeah. it some experts that are out of their league. She knows what she's doing, and she's the one who helps the family figure out how to save their daughter. And
2: I guess what I mean, she's important, but... And uh, But even if you don't necessarily like her right away, at least right. she's not like a huge part of the movie and the rest of it kind of makes up for it if you don't like, if that makes sense.
0: So the the other thing that she brings up, which maybe or maybe not was fully explored, I can't remember, is that the the big bad force in the house. The actual poltergeist. The capital P poltergeist. The beast. The beast. Yes, exactly. She brings up that it's the beast and it's pretending to be a child to befriend Carol Ann and get Carol Ann to stay with it. Now, she mentions it's the beast. Did you guys interpret this as, this is the devil?
1: I did not.
2: It's interesting. I, I kind of thought about it because that is what a lot of people refer to.
0: Now, Maybe it's just this is some sort of wild ghost animal, and it is that sort of beast. Oh no! <laughs> How did oh, you good. interpret it? It's not beast. just me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no! Something you messed up.
0: <laughs> what happened? Am I am I oh, garbled?
1: You you you're just down like a two octave.
2: <laughs> you sound oh, like
0: you are Frank. the beast. <laughs> All right. Keep your recordings going. I'm going to plug, I'm going to take my mic and plug it back in.
2: I mean, it's perfect timing for that.
0: I don't know if i got screwed up on my recording but apparently i became the beast while talking about the beast uh so did you guys interpret her saying the guys was the beast as this big bad being i guess what is the big bad here because there are other ghosts in the home
1: it kind of forgot okay so have any of you seen amityville horror yes it kind of reminds me of the pig.
0: Who? It's been a while. I remind not of I don't pig. Remember a pig? Um, Wait, Sarah, what pig? <laughs>
1: the pig demon.
0: S- come on, play with me. You remind me of the pig. What pig? No. The pig with the uh, the pig with the babe. No. What? The no. Uh, no. The power. The pig with the with power. The... What power? I screwed up. No, we're done here.
1: Anyway, I cannot remember the pig's name. I have to remember the pig's name. Anyway, in Amityville Horror, they have all of the different ghosty things attacking the house. But there is specifically a pig demon that I cannot remember the name of. Wilbur. That No. <laughs> that, oh, that would have been great.
2: Ah, um, uh, babe.
1: Uh, <laughs> pig demon Amityville Horror.
0: <laughs> pig demon in the city. Jody!
1: The pig demon Jody! Jody.
0: <laughs> Jody's a terrible pig name.
1: Don't ask me. I wasn't... The family that made up this hoax, ask whatever their freaking names are. I read the book, but anyway, Jody was a pig demon that was specified to have a name within the all of the ghost demons haunting Amityville, and Jody. Was a pig demon that was trying to befriend the daughter specifically.
0: All right, you keep saying pig demon as that as if that's a very normal thing that everybody's heard of. You know, your neighborhood pig demon. We all had one growing up. I'm saying
1: pig demon because if if you've read the book or seen the original, it's different in the remake. Seen the original, Jody is specific in it. It's one of the few powers in the house that has specific form and specific intention. And it's befriending the daughter. And that kind of is is what it reminded me of, that it was just kind of, it had more form and more power. I will say, I looked it up to see if anyone else had said anything about your interpretation. I'll say it gets explained in one of the sequels, but we're not doing the sequel. Oh, no, we're not doing the
0: sequel. Um, So... I guess you're seeing it as more of a demon than a devil, where it is—it has some sort of otherworldly power associated with the underworld, but is not like the big boss. It's one of the lieutenants or whatever.
1: I will say that's what I kind of interpreted as. As I will say, that is not what the movie went with. And what the movie went with is weird?
0: Oh, yeah, you don't say.
2: So, I I mean, I kind of think at least from some religions, they would say they would it would be the devil is the beast. So, I could say I mean, I had thought the same thing when I was watching it, so it's not really a surprise that you would ask that question.
0: Right. And it it doesn't go anywhere past that. Like, there's no religion, like, religious artifacts to push the devil back away from Carol Ann. And so, it seemed weird to me to make an association to a beast, whether it be a devil or a demon, or demon, uh, Ooh. devil, <laughs> devil? <laughs> I'm done. I'm just done, guys. Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, oh. demon or devil, and then never really get into it again?
1: I will say, instead of either of those perfectly decent theories we came up with, they went with a crazy preacher cult ghost. Okay. So it was a real was human. Was this
0: crazy preacher buried in the cemetery their house was built upon?
1: I don't know. I have not seen any of the sequels, but looking it up, just the first thing when you put in the Beast Poltergeist in in Google, he has a Wikipedia page, <laughs> and it's Reverend Henry Kane. So he was human. He absorbed the spirits of his followers and became a crazy ghost. So, <laughs> all right. So that's what they went with in the sequel. So, so
2: cool. cool, cool, cool. I don't know if you were were you already done talking about miss crazy voice Zelda no Ravenstein. uh
0: because we are getting to what i thought was going to be the yeah. final act of the film uh which is them saving caroline and crazy voiced little lady is still there yeah well Zelda and that's
2: Ravenstein. where i she's brought in right as a helper for the paranormal people but i could not tell from from i don't know her actions and her creepy voice i could not tell if she was going to you know i'm used to some of the modern movies where they bring in these characters that are friendly and then suddenly big plot twist they're the big bad person and for a while i was like maybe she's coming in to help all the ghosts come out and cause more chaos and so i i thought maybe she was the bad person
0: there was a point where i had that thought as well Sarah, you have something to say. For
1: people who have seen modern movies, Zelda Rubenstein is basically like Elise from The Insidious.
0: Okay, I have not seen this film, but those those of our audience who have appreciate someone that
1: someone will get that reference.
0: I had that thought as well because we're getting into them saving Carol Ann, which is a big part of this film because Carolyn has been gone for the majority of this film. I don't remember the exact run time, but the, the period of real fin, film time between when she is gone to when she is saved is something like an hour and a half. And in film time, that is forever. And so this definitely seemed to be the climax of the film for me because they're finally going in, they are finally going to save this child who's been the running force of the entire film. Uh and I like fine. the thing that they set up here because it is weird and paranormal, but also consistent, where it the entrance into this ghost world or whatever, the portal into their world
1: ghost world's a different Paralands
0: closet. And the exit point, which we have seen stuff fall out of before, is in the living room ceiling. Now, I don't know if the living room ceiling where it drops out is directly below Caroline's bedroom, but it does seem like they are at least a couple of meters apart. And so the ghost world creates some sort of portal in real space connecting these two points in space that are otherwise not connected. But I like that the paranormal lady, Zelda Rubenstein, is consistent uh, in her test where she's like, okay, first we got to make sure that anything entering this portal can exit out there. And she throws in a couple of tennis balls that go in. It's like a one, two, three beat. And then they drop out of the ceiling in the living room. It's just like, okay, there's definitely a conduit between those two places. Let's throw in a rope and they throw in one side of the rope. Uh, and then it drops out from the ceiling and they're able to pull on either side of it. It's like, okay. So now we have a connection on either side to the real world. All right. Now here's the tricky bit. We got to send a human being into this. Like, I love this. Setup I don't understand for a the
2: reason of the rope. I think they ended up tying it around her waist eventually when she goes in, but that originally that wasn't really explained. It's just, hey, we're going to throw a rope through here. And then how, if it's tied around her, did she still have people on both ends holding on to
0: it? She got tied to the rope on the bedroom side.
2: But her husband, See, her husband still had end of the rope in the bedroom, and the guy down in the living room had the other end. How
0: did she get tied to it?
1: There's a middle. <sighs>
0: So if you tie a, a knot in a rope, I mean, yes, you have to let go of one end to tie that knot. I assume that one end is the end the husband is holding on they, to.
1: They tie her in the middle.
0: Right. Anywho. Um... Oh, I had something, and then I lost it.
1: Was it about how ropes work?
2: Yeah, how so, How are they? <laughs> well, because then Zelda lady says that she's going to go in to rescue the daughter, and the mom's like, oh, no, you can't do that. She's my daughter. She'll respond to me, so I should be the one to go. And Zelda says, well, you've never done this before. And the mom says, neither have you. And she's like, oh, that's right. You should go.
0: <laughs> and I, I love the the humor in this because this is at a very dramatic moment where like the big bad has noticed what they're trying to do is like blowing force at them as something. And so these lines are shouted back and forth at each other. And it's just, it is wonderful that in this very heated moment, there's this comedic timing of like, Oh, right. I've not gone into a paranormal world before. It's you, you go ahead. (laughs) So the confusing thing for me here is Zelda Rubenside is shouting out orders to the parents. Uh, they've contacted um, Caroline on the other side from the dad yelling at her and getting her to come out of hiding. Um, and so she's out and about. And then it's confusing to me because Zelda Rubenside is saying, go towards the light, which she previously didn't want them to go through. But Caroline going towards the light apparently leads the ghost to the light. And then at a certain point while this is all going on she tells okay now come away from the light and just it's very confusing mm-hmm. me like is the light good is the light bad do we need her close to the light so we can grab her where what distance from the light does she need to be from and because it's very unclear yeah. in structures like go towards it but not too far now come back a little bit but not too much well
2: i think It was something like all of the things that were in there had noticed her presence now and were chasing her. So going towards the light was to lead the ghosts all over there because the light was what sucks them out of the middle space or whatever she's in <laughs> so going to the light would get rid of the ghosts forever, but then if she stops just in time, they can still go in and grab her before she gets sucked.
0: I don't know. With the explanation they gave before of Caroline being like the brightest light, yeah. and then she there's another light, wouldn't Caroline still be the brightest?
1: Unless it's heaven.
0: I don't think these ghosts are going to heaven. <laughs>
1: no. If they're just confusing the- if-
0: They might have been good people. They were bad ghosts.
1: If they're little confused ghosts, what about the chair stacking ghost? He's fine. He's just Uh, confused. He's
0: ruining people's furniture.
1: He's fine. He's just a little confused. He's just getting confused by the light.
0: Maybe. Uh, So there's an incredibly tense moment where the mom goes into the portal and disappears for a while. And I love this moment it is tension that has been built up this is the the heart of the film and everyone is on their edge of the seats watching this because she's going into the unknown we don't know what the rules are over there we don't know if this is going to work because even the expert here hasn't done this before and is kind of guessing the dad starts to get worried and i think he starts pulling on the rope which is how the big bad escapes
2: yeah and then like a giant skull comes out of the closet and
0: The mother and daughter get birthed again out of the ceiling um, with all this really gooey stuff over them.
1: Super gross.
0: I don't understand why the the paranormal side, the other side, is just full of goo. Like, is it all goo over there?
1: Ghost goo! I mean, it's, it's, it works uh, for Stranger e-
2: Things, e- so...
1: Uh, what is it in Ghostbusters? There's goo in Ghostbusters.
2: Oh, ectoplasm? But ectoplasm yeah, is a, a of- thing. Well, in in, well. In, in in the paranormal community, ectoplasm means
1: yeah, ghosts. Yeah, so maybe it's just an ect- a bunch of ectoplasm.
0: Uh, and they're not breathing. The dad takes them to the bathroom and starts like spraying off the goo and hoping that they revive and eventually they do and the audience cheers back in safety and the only thing that has happened to the mom is now she has a gray streak of hair much like a rogue from x-men and then the zelda rubenstein says the (laughs) the line that is both heartwarming but also very incorrect (laughs) this house is clean. And then she is never heard from again.
2: Until the sequel.
0: <laughs> I expected the film to end here. Because As that's most how films do. do. Like, the child is safe, the story is done.
2: But this goes back to 80s horror movies again. Like, if you watch any of those campy slasher films they do that same thing too where everybody gets saved suddenly and everything's going well but then there's a second ending so
0: (laughs) yeah usually though it's like the villain is hit and is down and we thought he was dead but oh wait there's this other thing that keeps him alive and now he's back again i don't know the film the film seemed longer to me because This is a natural end point for a film. The excitement has been had. The climax has happened. We are in the denouement now and the, the emotions are coming back down. We're getting settled in and like this is a natural end point. And then the film keeps going. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but it was confusing to me that it kept going. And I didn't quite know where to, where my emotions were supposed to be at this moment in the pool. Oh, <laughs> the, that's where they were supposed to, but there's bodies in there.
2: I think, I mean, even you have some movies, you get the big climax, and then you still have the ending point to show you that everything is happy now, and then some little joke or something before the credits. So you kind of (laughs) expect that, you know, here's all the little happiness at the end, and then the credits are coming, but then it just kept going for another 10 minutes.
1: Because there's bodies in the pool and yelling (laughs) at the boss.
2: Right, but. but that stuff didn't happen like I think if it had happened sooner, maybe that would have been more to Carl's point. I don't know. It just seemed like some of the stuff kind of got slowed down so much for, for Right. For a
0: film that's been ramping up and ramping up and introduced characters and like the ghost becoming more dramatic and more active and more dangerous, and they finally get the girl back. It does seemed like, okay. Everything that has been ramping up to has resolved. Ah, you can take a breath. I'm not ready for it to ramp up so quickly again. I think
1: the moral of the story is sometimes you just can't fix ghosts. Sometimes you should just throw it all back in the trash.
0: Well, that's where the house goes at the end of this. Yep. So they're moving out because they don't want to be in this house anymore. They got their daughter back. There's no reason to be here anymore. They're making the very wise decision to pack everything up and get the hell out of Dodge. The mom is putting the little kids to bed. It's going to be their last night in the house. She decides to take a bath because she's got to dye her hair, uh, to get rid of this gray streak. She's getting ready for bed and the ghost starts attacking again. So this is another part of the film where I thought it was a little out of place because the ghost interaction with the mom does seem a little sexual in a way that it hasn't been before. Um, in that her, the mom, the mom's shirt keeps being forced up. She can't get it back down. Uh, and then she is forced onto the wall and then the ceiling and she keeps trying to squirm away and screaming, no, no. Uh And the ghost just keeps attacking her like, It seemed weird in that the ghost interaction has not been this overtly sexual before and they're sticking it in kind of in the last moment of this film.
2: Well, it it had never straight out attacked the parents before either. I mean, other than when they were trying to jump in and get the daughter back, it only went after the kids.
1: But but I wonder if it's just the, like, it is a little weird in that this is the first time, but I wonder if it's just, this is the first attack, and if there's something different now That the beast let out of the Uh closet. I was trying to figure out how to word that, that it didn't sound weird, but I'm like, nope, no way to do that. It is Um, more
0: present in the real world, I guess.
1: Yes. And so if there's some limiters that are off now, and so now it's just like, now I, and since the beast is the the worst one, and now he has some like inhibitors off, it's like, I can do real bad things now.
0: Like the only thing I could maybe think of while watching this is if the beast is always fears, the mom's fears may be more adult in nature than children's fears. Like, I think a suburban housewife may fear a home invasion or may fear being attacked this way in her own home.
1: And maybe it was before... Why it was mostly, mostly the children is the children were easier to scare and they were weaker before when they were kind of having to go through whatever like (laughs) closet force field, like go through a layer and then scare. And now that that's kind of been removed to a certain extent, now that he's hopped through the closet.
0: Because the other thing that happens here is the, uh, your favorite clown.
1: The clown dove! Why? It reminds me of at my grandparents' house. It's not a clown doll, but my grandmother had a lot of really random dolls that just, like, randomly around, and some just sit in chairs, and some just sit on counters, and I'm just like, why? Why are they just in the chair? Why do you do that to children?
2: Is that better or worse than Elf on the Shelf? (sighs) Worse, (laughs) but not by much.
1: But, like, why, why is it sitting in a chair by itself? Like, that's the worst place to put it.
0: I agree. Uh, my explanation for this was the little boy and little girl share a root. Uh, and the clown is very clearly the little girl's toy. Because the little boy hates this thing and will cover it up with a Chewbacca jacket any chance he gets. Uh, but in, Certain scenes of the film, we see the clown, like the girl snuggling with the clown as she is going to bed. So I wonder if it's like the nighttime ritual where the girl can only sleep if she's snuggling with the clown or is it sitting in a chair staring at her because she feels safe with that clown for some doesn't reason. Doesn't
1: she have like, but like other people do this, like grandmother there was like the doll in the chair, but like, doesn't she have other stuffed animals that could like keep the clown company and then it would be less terrifying if it's like, a clown and a teddy bear Uh not as scary clown by itself terrifying
0: i think the clown would terrify any other monsters that were coming to attack them (laughs) he is the sentinel for the room talking
1: about other Uh. scary things that happened at sleepovers i had a friend that i had sleepovers with that had a row of dolls on a shelf that where i would sleep for the sleepover you could just look up and see them on the shelf just staring at you and I'm like this has to be the angle that they're at like they can't <laughs> be anywhere else in the they bedroom they have to
0: be looking down on me while I sleep
1: like I can't be positioned anywhere else just with these dolls being like "Hmm, we're judging you i'm like get out of here
0: so to finish this film off we get to the second climax where uh the ghost is attacking the family the mom gets out of her situation and goes to get the kids. this is where we see the giant spectral uh big armed monster thing in front of the door which i believe is like on the poster or the vhs cover for this film the the kids are being sucked into the closet again, the boy and the girl are hanging on for, for dear life on the girl's bed, um, and the mom is able to get through the door, grab the kids just in time, and pull them away, uh, but not before being forced <laughs> outside by the ghost, I almost forgot this part, and into the pool, which was her fear for her daughter, and then coffins with apparently actual dead bodies come springing up out of the ground uh this is just a great moment for me where like this is like the the finale of fireworks where just everything is going off just everything from the underworld is coming out all at the same time to try to get one last shot at this what family. is
2: interesting to me here though is... The skeletons and coffins all come popping up out of the ground, but they don't do anything. Like, they just pop up and stare at her. They don't really, like, attack.
0: You're you're right. They are not zombies, but they're also dead bodies. And they are dead bodies in the way of her getting out of this pool. So they don't move, but they do block her way.
1: I read a thing that said they did not Tell her they were real dead
0: bodies. <laughs> well, that's, that's probably smart.
1: good. But she learned after the fact.
0: So she gets out of the pool, saves her kids, uh, and is able to get outside just as the husband is coming back from work. Uh, and he's on the phone, and this is Sarah's favorite line for the dad. It
1: wasn't. You, mo- you moved the headphones. It's
0: headphones. headphones. Dang it. Ah, <laughs> you that's that. That.
1: You moved the headstones and not the bodies.
0: Which is a wild choice. But, yeah, apparently that's the cause of all the ghostly happenings, is they kept the bodies in the ground where people were gonna live, because that's cheaper, and look, hey, capitalism.
1: Oh, but Craig T. Nelson just yelling into that phone, I don't know why, is just the funniest thing to me.
0: Oh, the funny thing to me is, like, the family loads up the car, the moving truck with most of the stuff is already gone, but they just, like... We gotta get in the car. And as soon as they get in the car, like another dead body is flung at the car and onto the the uh the uh what is it? The the lid of the engine. What's that the called? Lid of the, the hood, the hood. <laughs> I got there. Anyway, uh so they they pull out of the driveway just in time for their teenage daughter to come home be like, whose Ooh. boyfriend is driving like some sort of Ferrari or something, some very rich convertible thing. And she gets out of the car and she clearly has a hickey on her neck. And she is, she like asks no questions whatsoever, dives into the backseat of the car and they peel the hell out of Dodge as their house is getting sucked away into oblivion. she just gone. And this is where every single house in the neighborhood also has dead bodies coming up out of the ground. Like, the the cork on the champagne has been popped, and it is all coming out.
1: I would love, like, if there was some part with, like, one of the other neighbors being like, huh, some weird things going on in the
0: neighborhood. (laughs) Huh, it's uh, kind of weird, huh? Oh, God, there used to be a house there yesterday, but that at, got At the beginning, up.
2: he's trying to sell a house to somebody in one of the new neighborhoods. It'd be great if they come out and be like,
0: hmm. Mm. I would love just an old man coming out. He's like, well, there goes the neighborhood. Uh, like, and then, gone. And that's Imagine the end credits. Like, what if the
1: the house, other houses was getting haunted, but it was just like the people in there were really stupid and just not noticing anything. And be like, oh, I don't remember moving those chairs. <laughs> Guess I'm getting real forgetful in my old age.
0: I guess I, I guess the wife moved those chairs to clean underneath the table. I should I should move them back. I guess we're
1: having a real bug problem. This is a new house. We shouldn't be having that bug problem.
0: It's okay. Mosquitoes never bothered me before.
1: We we really need to call an exterminator.
0: Uh, Anywho, uh, the final scene of this film, which is a lovely touch, oh, love is the story. family going to a motel for the night. And piling in, clearly disheveled, horribly tired after this ordeal. And just like a family marching to bed after the worst day in history for them. They get into the bedroom and close the door. And then the dad's got to open the door one last time to slide out the television <laughs> I love the TV. and so they can go to bed.
1: It's such a nice touch.
0: Oh, uh, is lovely. Uh so that's that's the end of the film. Let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch game, a game in which we put together two or three properties in the form. It's this meets this to describe this film in terms of other things. So, Mark, you're going to start us off. Tell our audience what is Poltergeist in terms of other
2: things this is a movie where a family home becomes infested with ghosts who take an interest in their youngest daughter eventually kidnapping her then the family tries to rescue her and in the end the home gets destroyed and an 80s movie where self-proclaimed paranormal investigators take on the task of removing spirits but soon discover they are in over their heads lots of ghostly special effects okay
0: I'm unsure about the first one Pretty solid on the second one. So I'm going to guess, is this Andyville Horror meets Ghostbusters? You, the second one is correct. Okay. Sarah, do you have any idea on the first one?
1: Not Casper. It's not Beetlejuice. It, give me a decade.
2: Oh, like within the last 10 years, I think? Yes.
0: 2013. Um, There was a movie called Ghost House. <laughs> is it <laughs> Ghost House? No. No. Alright, I am throwing in the towel.
1: Can you give one more hint?
0: Alright, let's get one more hint. Sarah, you get one more guess and we're moving on.
1: I feel like I should know this.
2: There's a room of the house with a bunch of, like, museum artifacts and a creepy doll. Wait, is this... Annabelle? No. All right.
1: I got no idea then.
2: It is The Conjuring.
0: Ah, a movie I've heard of and not see.
2: Now, I'm looking through pictures of it, but I may be wrong. The house may not actually get destroyed, but yeah, I know they. I don't they've...
1: remember the house getting.
2: I know parts of it get broken during the movie, but maybe it's not yeah, destroyed. I can't
1: remember... Yeah, I don't remember the house getting destroyed.
0: Well. Then that's my fault, but it's close enough. <laughs> that's right. I fair. mean, I wasn't—I wasn't, I wasn't going to get it regardless.
1: Annabelle is in the universe, so you were close.
0: Yeah, sure. Annabelle is also—it's dog- also a recent horror film, and the most recent horror film that I could pull. All right, so my first one here, <clears throat> since this is a supernatural horror film where a young girl gets taken by a spirit, and her parents call in the experts to make a house call to save her. And a horror film featuring the burial of a beloved family pet, a father trying to save his child, and dead bodies rising from the grave.
1: Is dead better? Sometimes dead's better.
0: Oh, that may be a reference to one of these films, and I don't know if I've seen either of them. <laughs> oh. I, I think that, I, in reading the description of this film, I think that might be the correct Film. What film are you thinking? Is of? Is
1: the second one Pet Cemetery.
0: You are correct. Yes. Yes,
1: that was an attempt at one of the quotes. Sometimes did. Yeah, he
0: I have That's not, not a seen very, that movie. That
1: is also a really bad main accent. So don't come at yeah, me.
0: Yeah, uh, that voice needs more lobsters.
1: To be fair, only one person has a main accent in that movie I
0: had an idea for the first
2: one But you said you don't think you had seen either of them So it can't be the one
0: that I'm thinking of It's possible both of these were on the list of horror films I've never seen
1: We should watch Pet Cemetery.
0: We might, come October
1: Mr. Munster does a great job in that movie
0: Herman Munster?
1: Herman Munster
0: The man from My Cousin Vinny? He's the judge of that film, Yeah, yeah Oh
1: yeah, he's great um, forgot about that. no he's great he plays the neighbor so
2: the one that i keep having in my head is beetlejuice but that can't be right because i know you've seen it
0: it is not beetlejuice we've, we've also all seen
1: it
2: i know that's why i know you have seen it
0: <laughs> here's some hints i say she was taken by a spirit that does not mean that she was taken away from the home she's still there perhaps she is taken over
1: oh the exorcist
0: it is the exorcist yes mm.
1: Are they, I guess the priests, yeah, they are experts.
0: Alrighty, so yes, that was The Exorcist meets Pet Cemetery. Sarah, what's your first one?
1: Because it is a horror movie where um, a group of experts led by a woman with powers herself are called in to help with a sp- small child who has some sort of special connection to the spiritual world, meets a horror movie where a small child has some sort of extra super shiny spirit that makes them more susceptible to ghosties. Huh.
0: So the second one could be two things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from your description of extra shiny, I am thinking The Shining.
1: It is. I went for the obvious one. Okay,
0: okay, good. All right, so the other one is that a was, woman with paranormal ability comes in to help a child deal with her own paranormal ability. He is that
2: has, that teen witch one that we already talked about? No.
1: <laughs> I said it was a group of experts led by a woman with supernatural power. And the child has supernatural powers that are a prop. <laughs> I'm sure you have not seen this movie.
0: All right. Uh, I fair. mentioned it earlier. I will, I'll throw in the towel immediately and just say X then.
1: This is a movie I mentioned earlier.
0: That's why I and said Teen Witch. And it's not Teen Witch? Is it Halloween Town? <laughs> no. It doesn't fit, I know. That's why it's a joke.
1: If it's not The Conjuring, it's the other Annabelle? One. No, Annabelle is part of The Conjuring. <laughs> okay. If it's not the
0: conjuring, it's it's... Amityville Horror.
1: (laughs) Patrick Wilson's in both of them.
0: If it's not the conjuring, it's the people that are already here. (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's insidious.
0: Insidious. Oh, that thing
2: that we have not seen. I have
0: Again, that's a film that I've heard of. I've not seen a lot of modern horror,
1: but both Conjuring and Insidious are ones that are current and have multiple in card. Like they have franchise.
0: Yes, and they I think Patrick Wilson in franchise.
1: both of them.
0: That wouldn't surprise good me. Good
1: for you, Patrick right. Wilson.
0: So yours was, or just to recap for audience, that was Insidious meets The Shining. Yes,
1: yeah. I had a different movie. As my second one is first, which is why my Shining one was a little wonky. But then I realized my second movie was too much like my first movie.
0: Oh, interesting. Was your... Never mind. Mark, go ahead. I'm not going to guess the movie in case you used it. Stick
2: with me on this one. Oh, boy,
0: here we go. Oh,
1: no.
2: A family moves into a home, but do not know that the deceased still reside there. Their daughter is the first to notice the specters and communicates with them, and at first glance, the ghosts only perform pranks and act friendly, but eventually turn mean. Uh, Meets a uh, a movie where a family's daughter mysteriously disappears within their home, although they can still hear her and she can hear them, but neither can see the other. After investigations, an area is discovered that crosses to another realm where the parent goes to rescue the child and gets pulled back to their own reality just as the rift closes.
0: Whew. I mean, both of them are really good in that they relate to this film very well. I have, I I have an answer. I'm sure it is wrong. One of them is a joke. Uh, Uh is this, is this the others (laughs) meets the lake house? (laughs)
2: <laughs> no okay i was gonna say beetlejuice
1: meets something
2: that is correct
1: how did you get the others
0: i don't know i wasn't really paying attention have you, have
2: well, that's why i said watched- these, uh, these were really
0: long ones that i didn't remember being this long when i wrote them have you All right.
1: watched the others
0: no, I haven't. Okay. I know. I it was in my mind of like ghost films, and I I know there's a family. I assume the youngest child notices the activity first. No, no, no. the mother does. All right. Actually, I guess and I also, have seen it, but there, it's been a while. Can, anyway, can I
1: spoil this movie that's like 15 years old for you? I
0: know the
2: twist. I, I there's a go. I can read the second one again because it was really long. But unless you remember yeah. what it was.
1: It's the movie where Gary Busey lives in the walls.
2: <laughs> that's just creepy anyway. That is uh, a real movie
1: though. There is a movie where Gary Busey lives in the wall.
0: I'm trying to think of so, where a Portal would go. So, close. yeah.
2: A hint would be it is not a movie.
0: Oh, are you thinking. Silent Hill! Wait, no. That is a yeah. movie. <laughs> are you thinking of Stranger Things?
2: No, but that's okay, closer good.
0: ish. Closer. But so I it's think a.
1: Silent Hill would have worked, kind of. One of them. One of them it should like a have
0: worked. Paranormal TV series. Is it the X-Files? <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, um.
1: Narnia.
0: Twin Peaks. There is She's another
1: dead.
2: older show that's very well known for paranormal sci-fi things. What
1: episode is that? Did
0: you
2: hear Sarah? Yes, Did I heard her. That is correct.
1: What episode is that?
2: It's called Little Girl Lost.
0: Oh, I do remember that now.
2: And they draw the whole thing on the wall with chalk because they find a portal behind her bed.
0: Yes, uh, that's right. I remember that specific one now.
2: That's
1: not one I rewatched that. I watched the doll one with Telly Savalas. Yeah, I
0: watched the cornfield one with <laughs> a creepy child.
1: Wish him to the cornfield. Mm
0: -hmm. Alright, my second one here. A film featuring a suburban family with three kids where Craig T. Nelson plays the father, the mother risks her life to save their youngest child from being lost forever, and the end of their film sees their home destroyed and the family at a motel.
1: The one I didn't watch.
0: No. Meets a supernatural horror film prominently featuring a young girl and a television displaying static.
1: Are you sure? Because I haven't... See, the second one.
0: It's probably not the second one. What was uh?
2: What was the first thing you said? I mean, the second, the um, second movie. I mean,
1: something about static.
2: The first movie was The Incredibles. That is correct.
1: Is that in the first one? Yes.
0: Where their house gets destroyed? Yeah.
1: But no one cares about Baby Jack in the first. What? one.
0: What? <laughs> I mean, the mom still risks her life to save her child when, when, from being when, taken by Syndrome. Yeah, he's in the jet oh, plane very- thing.
1: At the very yes,
0: end. The very that's end.
1: like five minutes.
0: It's it still, still matches. Yeah. I
1: know. And also, Baby Jack doesn't need any help.
0: Anyway. Um, so, second one. Supernatural horror film featuring a young girl and television displaying static. Both of these are prominent symbols for this horror film.
1: Sign.
0: No. The ring. It is the ring with Samara climbing out of the television that's static.
1: Science does have tapes, but it's not static. It's just watching TV.
0: It's just TV. just TV. It's not TV. It's HBO. All right, so that was The Incredibles meets The Ring. Sarah, go ahead.
1: To be fair, I've seen The Incredibles like once. Wasn't
2: oh, one of my favorite. Boo nah. you.
1: <laughs> not my least favorite either. If I told people my least favorite, everyone.
2: Like when I uh, say that Tarzan is a bad
0: movie? Uh, it's more like when you say Aladdin is a bad movie. I've never said that.
1: I didn't like Inside Out. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Oh, Inside Out is not a good one. Thank you. We also didn't we see the watched whole it thing. Together. But. We also, also we also saw a inside. Spanish version dubbed in English.
1: <laughs> um, so this is about a family that moves into a house and starts having ghostly interactions that mainly. Um, the youngest child has the most connection to? Me? Oh no, why did I- Oh! A movie where a small child has interactions with a TV that involves getting sucked into a portal? I don't know why I did this one, I'm so sorry! It made sense at the time I was writing these very quickly.
0: Okay. Um, so I have a guess. The second one I know is not correct. It is also a joke.
1: You're probably right.
0: It's not. Um, is this Andyville Horror yes. meets Monkey Bone?
1: No, but think, think just as stupid. <laughs> oh. Like, think totally unrelated to horror and anything that would connect it.
0: My other guess is who framed Roger Rabbit, though I don't think they get sucked into TV as much as, like, cartoon characters are real. Yeah. Think
1: about getting sucked into a TV. I know. Because I was writing these, I had, like, the two-minute bathroom break to write these, and I was writing very quickly.
0: Uh, to be fair, you've had the same amount of time we all have to write these. I think
1: I wrote older ones, but I don't remember if I dreamed that or I actually did that or if I know where I put them.
0: I love that you can't remember if it was a dream or not.
1: I have very vivid dreams.
2: Oh, okay. She dreams about scratching off her face after eating bugs. I was trying,
0: so I was trying to find films where people get sucked into televisions, and I think I abandoned that because I couldn't find the one I was thinking of.
1: This is very small children, sucked into TVs, very famous, there's two versions, and a musical.
0: Oh. Well, I could think of two versions of, well, they wouldn't get sucked into TV in the first one, but they do definitely in the second one.
1: Technically, all versions are a musical, but...
0: Pleasantville. The,
1: the stage... <laughs> I mean, technically correct, but not what I'm thinking of. There's, there's a movie version, a remake of the movie version, and then they, there was a stage show, but then they made it into a different Broadway musical with some added music. And it had Christian Boyle in it.
2: That means that nothing means to me. To me.
1: <laughs> um, if I say the sucking into the TV was used as a device for hammer for products. Oh,
0: oh, wait, no. There was that episode
2: of Doctor Who where people's faces got sucked into the TV.
1: This is a very famous movie. We've all seen it. I have been in the play myself.
0: It could be very famous. I was just not ringing a bell right now for me.
1: Everything's edible, eatable.
0: Uh, Wait, oh, okay. So this is... A weird interpretation of being sucked into a TV. He
1: gets sucked he get, into the TV. He
0: gets shot by a laser and put into a million pieces and reassembled in a TV.
1: I told you it was <laughs> really stupid, and I was trying to do it very fast.
0: All right, Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory. Thank you. Yeah. Oh.
1: Technically, the first one is Charlie and the Chocolate Incorrect. Oh no! The wait. First, the first, first movie president. is
0: Willy Wonka, and the, the book, book is, is Charlie and the
1: Chocolate but I told you this was very stupid. You weren't thinking stupid enough.
0: I, th- I thought of monkey bone. I think I was thinking too stupid. No
1: one thinks of monkey. <laughs> I have never heard
0: of that. So you've not-
1: never heard of monkey bone. That tells bone? you
2: how bad it must be.
0: It is a Brendan Fraser vehicle where he goes into a cartoon world full of really offensive cartoon characters that he's drawn because he's a cartoonist.
1: Um, there's a really funny Chris Kattan part where he's the broken, dead gymnast, which is really funny. It might be the only funny part of that movie.
0: Mark, you just heard the words "really funny Chris Kattan part," so you know this is a bad. That film. means nothing um, to me, also. But
1: you know what? I like Brendan Fraser as an actor. But yeah. This movie. Oh, is you
2: know what? Redeemable. I used to watch The Mummy all the time.
1: Oh, I love The, the Mummy, Mummy is
2: great. Anyway, anyway, Mark, I need you to do your next. Yep, one. I've got my next one, which be I've easy. Lost my mind. I think easy. That's why I left it till last. We'll see. Oh, no, not I last. I guess I have another last. one, but we'll it's see. yeah. So because this is a movie where the deceased use television as a means to torment the living, and crypt keeper, yeah, and. A movie where a realtor and his family are trapped in a fancy house by many spirits who have been buried on the property. While the ghost seems friendly at first, some turn malevolent and kidnap one of the family. The remaining family members discover a dark history of the property while rescuing the missing kin and flee the home
0: as quickly as possible. Huh. I want to say The Shining for the second one, but it's not, like, it didn't fit perfectly.
1: There's no realtors.
0: He is a writer. You're right.
1: And he's being a grounds, uh, like, a caretaker. Also, it's a hotel.
0: All right, just I knew it was wrong. I was just throwing stuff out for banter, calm down.
1: All the ways it's wrong.
2: Okay. Um the first uh, one okay. has already been mentioned, so
1: So not the crypt keeper.
2: No.
0: Wait, was it Andy Gohar? Use-
2: no, using a television. Oh, the radio. Yeah. Oh. All right. All right, what was the second one? Casper. Is he a realtor? Isn't he like a paranormal psychologist Casper? or Casper's something? Casper's
0: a young boy. Casper did no, not have a I job. I thought
1: one of the the side bad guys was pretending to be a realtor.
0: Oh, no, maybe. I think you're right because yeah. they wanted to buy well, the house. Well, that's not, or not sell what it is.
1: No, but cool. I'm trying to remember right. the okay. plot of Casper.
2: This is Disney's The Haunted Mansion. Ah, it's a
1: terrible movie.
2: Yep, that's why everybody has heard of it.
0: I mean I did to see To
1: be it. fair, I did I also did
0: Alright, my next one. Let's see a movie where a house is haunted by a spirit who pursues a female character more than any other member of the household. The spirit starts by moving objects around the house, progresses to pulling a woman out of her bed, and most of the supernatural happenings are captured on videotape. Meets a film where a young girl has gone missing, and experts are called in to help but find they are a bit out of their depth. At one point, the girl is believed to have drowned. Her kidnapper tries to keep her forever, but the experts refuse to give in and return her to her family in the end.
1: Um, is that first one that really boring horror series?
0: I mean, yes. <laughs> what is that called? You're going you're gonna to have to give us a name.
1: Paranormal
2: Activity. Thank you got you. it. Oh, I never saw any of those.
1: I saw the first one and part of the second one. I was too busy I thinking about the first one and didn't skull. hear anything
0: you said on the second
1: one. <laughs> um, something about maybe she drowned?
0: I will tell you I chose this one more or less on name alone, even though it does fit in the plot.
1: Gone Girl.
0: Very close. Girl Gone. I was, <laughs> ooh, further away.
1: <laughs> gone Baby Gone.
0: God baby, God is correct. <laughs> so it's paranormal activity meets God baby, God. Is that
1: the Thinzel Washington one?
0: No. Uh, this is the uh, Casey Affleck one no, I where Morgan Freeman Morgan is a police chief. Morgan
1: Freeman! That's who it is. I was like, Does, isn't it he, Morgan Freeman kidnapped her? Yes. Because her parents were awful?
0: Yeah, her parents were hopped out on drugs and drug addicts and selling drugs and it's all bad.
1: So it turns out he she should have stayed with Maureen Freeman.
0: Yeah, but the cops have um, to do the right if thing. If you guys
1: want to know what that HAPA one was that I switched that was too close to uh, Insidious, it was Stephen King's Rose Red.
0: Oh, I wouldn't have got that. I wouldn't no, either. No, because
1: no one else has watched that miniseries except for my sister and I a dozen times.
0: Mark, let's do your final I one and speed through it. One let's go.
2: more. Let's see. It's kind of a fake one, but kind of also true. Because this is a movie, Uh oh, well, this one I used as a <laughs> reference just a because movie. there's product placement everywhere in the movie that we watched. Um, yeah, that's
1: a Spielberg thing
2: and because this is a movie by the same name that both Carl and I accidentally found while we were looking for the correct one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was was one of your links for the movie Poltergeist just Poltergeist, the 2004 remake? Yep, <laughs> Great. Uh, and I want to say, I forget what your first one was. Was it Spielberg-related? I can't remember.
2: I just said it was because there was product placement everywhere in this film that we watched.
1: Is it E.T. or Mac and May?
2: Neither. It could
0: be anyone of a billion films. Carl
2: mentioned a character from this film as a sweatshirt that covered up the clown
0: oh star wars
2: hooray if Chihuahua. that was a, one of the first things i noticed when i was watching it is like in their bedroom it was just star wars everywhere
0: oh yeah because they're kids in the 80s of course yeah. they have that anywho let's move on to our second game which is alternate taglines a word or phrase you would see in the movie poster for the film that encapsulates the theme though possibly misses the point all right mark you're gonna start us off again Uh, what is your tagline for the movie, Poltergeist?
2: Poltergeist. Grim grinning ghosts come out of the closet.
0: (laughs) Is that a line from the Haunted Mansion soundtrack? It is
1: part of one. comes out (laughs) to socialize.
0: Uh, as often happens, I don't love all of mine. I perhaps love this one the least. Uh, so it is Poltergeist. They're here. They're fear. Get used to it.
2: I don't often like any of mine either, though. So Sarah?
1: Poltergeist, stacking champion since
0: 1982. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, Mark? Uh,
2: Poltergeist, real estate development is a grave business.
0: Oh, oh, <laughs> oh coming hard with the bad pun. Hmm. All right. Um, so mine is, uh, because of the history of the film I've mentioned earlier, uh, it is Poltergeist. Close Encounters of the Other Side. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love your reaction. I love the judgment <laughs> that is coming towards me as soon as I stop speaking. Yep. <laughs>
1: uh, poltergeist, next time, use Century 21.
2: I like that we're kind of most of us are using real estate.
0: I, I love the product placement, product placement that is in that tagline. <laughs> Cause it matches the product placement of the film. Yep.
2: Uh, all right.
0: So my final one here, uh, involves that the experts that they call both of the, both of the like big experts happen to be women, which is a really nice touch. Um, uh, so mine is Poltergeist. Who are you gonna call? Weird ladies.
1: <laughs> this is like all the people I've played in. Like, musicals is a lot of...
0: Uh-huh, yeah. I betcha. All right, uh, so our final game is the TV Guide Game, a description of the plot of the film you would find in a TV Guide or Netflix description that accurately dis- uh, portrays the plot, though possibly misses the point. All right, Mark, start us off. What is the plot of Poltergeist?
2: Carol Ann's parents refuse to believe her when she says a TV show came to life. To prove them wrong, she joins the TV people in their world. <laughs>
0: Uh, mine is... After a brief hiatus from cable, a suburban dad gives up on television forever.
1: (laughs) Mm I I make that noise, but mine are not better. Um, (laughs) A a suburban man learns that he definitely needs a new job.
2: (laughs) Alright, Mark? When a team of paranormal investigators encounter a job that is too large for them, they enlist the help of an expert medium who is a little mystic. (laughs)
1: <laughs> nope, nope, nope,
0: nope, nope. Ah, oh, jeez. Crow. <laughs> Alright, um, my final one here is parents call in the experts to help their little girl come out of the closet.
1: <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Okay. <laughs> A bunch of college researchers learn that they know nothing about their field.
0: <laughs> True. Accurate. Uh, Alright. I have one more. Let's hear the terrible pun. <laughs>
2: After land developers purchase land to build a new subdivision, the current residents have a bone to pick with the new owners. There it is.
0: There's <laughs> that terrible pot you know and love Mark always delivers.
1: I'm done with all of you.
0: Huh, so let's go on to our review scale. Our first review scale is, of course, our infamous potato scale, where we tell our audience what they can expect to feel while watching this movie in terms of our relationships with potatoes. So, as always, I have not prepared. So one of you can take it away. What is Poltergeist in terms of potatoes? Not me. <laughs> are, are you a
2: potato?
1: No, I just haven't looked at the thing.
2: Um. So, well, we talked about this slightly before we started because I was trying to make up a new one and... I did not decide on one, so... <laughs> I don't... I, like, I feel like the stuff that's in our list didn't necessarily fit this movie. I
0: don't... Some of them fit. I don't know if one, like, encapsulates it. Yeah.
2: Um, like, we talked a bit about, at least the way I saw it, it kind of started off slow, which we have oven-baked potatoes means that it takes too long to get started. I don't have... Uh, I guess I don't want to put it as, like, a first-place potato, but I definitely enjoyed it.
1: We do have a second-place potato.
2: I I, I see that.
1: I think we tried to make a third-place potato, but we couldn't figure out what kind of fries would be (laughs) third-place.
2: Although, also, as I mentioned earlier, I was expecting kind of the schlocky 80s horror movie, and it ended up being a lot better than I thought, and we do have one for better-than-expected. So I kind of want to be, like, oven-baked potatoes and Red Robin fries.
1: Um... I will say I'm going to give this a five guys fries. I love this movie. This is probably one of my favorite horror movies. Um, my sister and I have watched this so many times. Um, I've watched this at probably every hour of the day. I've seen it at two o'clock in the morning, in all <laughs> different circumstances. So in all tested circumstances, I love this movie. Um, I'm also gonna, I'm not gonna give this a real potato, I'm gonna give this a made-up potato, which is a rotten potato for movies that make me feel vaguely nauseous. As we've talked about how this movie makes me feel vaguely nauseous. That's not a bad thing for a horror movie, it's just a thing that happens.
0: It just, it seems wild that you are pairing our best rating with what seems to be the worst option on our menu of potatoes. <laughs> it's
1: just a thing that makes me be-
2: It's Well, and it's interesting because, like I said, it's I had never seen it before, but as someone who apparently has watched it many, many, many times, it's one of your favorites. So I
1: love, this is... It's, I,
2: it's a testament to the movie, the fact that you've seen it that many times and, and like, still love watching it.
1: A lot of horror movies I like, ironically. <laughs> like, we talked about Ghost Ship earlier. I love Ghost but i love ghost ship ironically there are parts of that movie that are just incredibly stupid um i like stay alive as a horror movie ironically that movie's very bad um this movie i just love i think it's scary i think it's funny i think it's i think it's just really good um i just think it's a good horror movie as opposed to those other ones where i think like final destination i like i don't find it scary i just find it funny um This one I just find scary.
0: Alright, so my reviews in terms of potatoes are going to be in a similar vein. I very much enjoyed this movie. I don't think, even though this film is super influential, incredibly well done, I don't know if I can give it a five, guys. Uh, But I think... Uh, it definitely earned a black potato, especially, like, given what Spielberg is known for. This is a very, uh, darker departure for him.
1: Spielberg's kind of all over the board. He kind of just does what he wants, doesn't he? He
0: is, but he's also known for, like, really heartwarming family children's films. I'd say that's his real bread and butter.
1: Like Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan.
0: Oh, yeah, those are for kids. Perfect.
1: <laughs> no one dies, no one is tr- emotionally traumatized by those. There's definitely also no naked women in them.
0: All right, fair enough, but those are also historical films.
1: Yeah, the na- they're, based they're on historically history. naked women.
0: Yes, women used to be naked. It's a it's a fact of history.
1: They're historically naked Nazi women.
0: Sarah, that's how you got children in the past. Naked women. They were there. So, I think I have to give it a black potato. Um just based on Spielberg's reputation, this for me is... It's a little different than what he's known for. Not necessarily bad, it's a great job, but it is legitimately scary. And maybe if you look too um, closely in the history of the children's ages, eh, a little troubling. Also the,
1: um... I still think that's just bad math.
0: Also the construction worker scene.
1: Bad math! <laughs>
0: math? Also the construction worker scene is a uh, little... Not above board. So, yeah, black potatoes for all of those reasons. But also. Uh,
1: he had done Jaws by that point. That's a horror movie.
0: It is.
2: But not to the same extent as this one. I don't. I feel like it's not as scary as this one would be.
0: I will also give him a, a mashed potato. The family relationship in this film feels like a wonderful family. Like it's a family you'd want to be a part of the parents are doing a great job raising these children and care a lot about the family unit.
1: I believe this is a family that would save me from a horror movie and not let (laughs) me get killed by Go. They're Mm -hmm. saving
2: you from a movie?
1: But I mean, like, if this was my family, I'm like, you know what? They're going to do their best and, like, I'm not going to end up, like, super murdered by ghosts. Like, I feel about... <laughs> Just a little
0: murdered, not super murdered. <laughs> yeah. murder.
1: Like, if I end up murdered by ghosts, you know what? They did their best. I'm not going to haunt them. Like, most horror movie families, I'm like, no, they're 100% getting haunted. They're trash. All
0: right, and my final thing that I'll give it is I will give it a Steak and Jake, which is our second place potato. Yeah. I couldn't quite give it a Five Guys, but I think it's, it's going to be up there in my rating scale this is it is very good i don't think it's on the level of what we call five guys for me but it is very close
2: and i didn't say that when i was doing mine but i would definitely put it in that same realm i don't know if well, it's right up there as a five guys but it's definitely very good so that
0: takes care of potatoes let's go on to our other review scale which is a more traditional. A uh, number scale telling our listeners should they go back and watch this film. Uh, so it's a scale from 0 to 10. Uh, where would you guys place this on your scale?
1: I give it a 10. Not only because I really love it. It's one of my favorite horror movies. I've seen it at least half a dozen to a dozen times. Somewhere in that vein. Um but I also think if you are either a movie buff or a horror buff, this absolutely necessary viewing, this is definitely um, a critical like viewing. If you are anywhere in the, the vein of like needing the background of movie history, this I would say is an essential viewing thing. And I think it, for the most part, holds up very well. And I think it does lead to a lot of instability it inspired a ton of stuff. And I just think it's one where you don't have to like force yourself to be like, well, I'm watching this because it's historically relevant and inspired stuff. I think it's just fun. Um, but at the same time, it is very, very influential. And it's also, if you need to get through that whole Spielberg collection, which I think is also, if you're a movie buff, important. So I think overall it's important for a lot of different reasons. And also just because it's fun and good.
0: <laughs> I know what you're talking about when it comes to working your way through movies. I watched Schindler's List this year because I hadn't seen before. Did you not and Schindler's is, List? I, I hadn't seen it. I watched it. It is a film that is intentionally hard to get through because it is historically accurate to the atrocities uh, visited upon Um, the Jewish people. And like, it's it's hard to get through and it is troubling and it is long and it is exhausting. I had
1: to watch Schindler's List in my junior year Western Civ class in high school. So imagine watching that class unedited, in a room full of 16 and 17 year olds, and all being like, we must not cry in the middle of high school class. And and it gets to the point at the very end when they- Cut to the real footage of real people, real survivors, and and children and grandchildren of survivors putting the stones on the grave, and I'm like, "Do not cry in class." Do not cry in class. And I'm like, "Who does this? Who thinks that's a good idea to set up the like these high schoolers for emotional drama, having to oh, watch this okay. super intense?" I know you are asking.
0: Who makes this film? No, and like, but like... Like, it needs to exist, that, but I agree. That you is shouldn't a movie, have to see it in a 16-year-old That is high a movie class. you
1: should watch at home by yourself or with one other person. You should not have to watch that in a room full of your peers as a high schooler. Not, Not a great way to watch it.
0: All right. So, as mentioned before, this is my first watch of the film. So, going in having no nostalgia for it, knowing it more as a reference... Um, and knowing some of the things to expect just because of like learning through osmosis, it's become one of those movies that gets talked about. So I know certain things about it without having ever seen it. I I really liked it. I think I've mentioned a few scenes that don't hold up because they've aged out. There is a... F- a few scenes that are troubling. The construction worker scene comes to mind. And it's just like they don't make the movie terrible. They're very small things, but they're, they're small, but prevalent enough that it keeps me away from giving it a 10. But I am still giving it like a 9.7. So very close to a 10, even with these things involved. Like it is still a very good film. Mark, what is your review? <sighs>
2: Well, everyone said everything already, so I can- <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree that it's... I mean, again, I don't watch a lot of horror movies in general. Um, I probably should because I do enjoy them, but I just don't because I end up watching something else instead. As someone who had never seen this before, it exceeded expectations because I'm just thinking, oh, 80s movie and it's horror. It won't be very good special effects and it won't really stand up today. But it still holds your attention, and it, you know, everything that we've talked about the whole time, most of the effects still work today. And it does have, it's very well written to have that family unit that all feels realistic and all of the suspenseful elements that still work. When I go into these rating scales, I try to look at past ones and compare it and say, do I like it better or worse than this other movie? So based on that, it's still going to be at a nine or higher. But after all of our talking here, everything that all of us have enjoyed, I'm going to give it a 9.5. I think... Again, that's more because of comparing it to other movies in the list that I've already rated. Um, I I don't really want to go too much higher, but I don't want to go lower either. That's
1: a- that's
2: a good mark for you, Mark. I, I would agree with Carl. There are some scenes that are sometimes the they don't that... affect me as much as they seem to affect Carl, but that was the first thing the when those construction workers those are things. whistling at her, and I'm like, How old is this kid supposed to be? <laughs> I, I, I
1: and do, that I, was really I, yeah, strange, but once the you one get that past brings them up it, first. And I feel like I always feel like should, should I have been the one to have gotten mad and brought those up?
0: <laughs> you don't need to, especially this being a film you've seen since childhood. But like, it's like other movies. I could definitely see you just being like, yeah, it's part of the film. It's, yeah, just, if you've it's seen always it bunch been there. It's not a big deal.
1: There are other movies where you're like, this thing happened, and it's like N- bad towards women, and I'm like, should I have been the one to or Am I? Am I a, am I a bad lady? You don't need to be
0: offended, and I'm not trying to white knight you and no, saying that I'm getting like, in the way of this film affecting but, you. But I
1: think that's just another scene that, like, I feel like is kind of like it was a. It wasn't being used like positively, but it was like, Oh, this was an 80s stereotype and we'll throw it in. And it's aged real. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I'm seen as more of a like, well, I get why at the time they threw it in but i'm like but it doesn't bother me
0: i point them out not because it particularly bothers me i also think it's a product of its time and it's maybe i mean not great but fine it wouldn't be in a film i'd see nowadays but i also think it's a it's probably something about this film that people have forgotten about because it's not a major part of the film so i think it's important to talk about and to say you know in today's culture this isn't okay. And it wasn't okay then, even though it had featured prominently in films.
2: Well, I think as if they did like a recut of the movie or some like anniversary edition, I mean, it was like 30 second clip, that construction worker scene that you keep bringing up. (laughs) I'm like, and it has nothing to do with the story. So if they cut that out, it wouldn't really affect anything. So I don't, I don't think it's necessary to be there. And if it since it doesn't fit in with today's society, it'd be fine to get rid of it. But it's also so that if people are watching who have not seen it before, that they're aware
0: of it before they get into it. I like to point out things in films that we watch that make me go, "Mm." Uh, just just because those are not like in these favorite films, they're not necessarily things people remember. And I want to like, it's something interesting to me to point out is like, did you forget about this scene? This scene is not great.
1: But is it just as a little bit an insult to the construction workers as well as we're like, they're they're like blue-collar guys, so that means they're gross.
0: Oh, I see.
1: So they must be gross and hit on ladies instead of they're just kind of guys who work there and just do their work.
0: We, we didn't have to give them any characteristics. Like, it's not important that these guys have lines, it's not important that we establish their characters because they're they're not important to the film. If we just saw shots of them riding on machines, making their pool, that establishes everything we need to and gets rid of the grossness of them hitting on a 16-year-old girl.
1: But it kind of does... And I mean, it still exists today, but it was really big in the 80s, this kind of, this line between the white collar, blue collar, and you see it in the fact that, like, there was this standard of, like, the white collar boss sticking it to the man and we have to fight the man sort of thing. And it's there was this line of the blue collar, well, they don't have manners, they're they're working class, they they do this bad behavior sort of thing. And I think that is a that in itself, looking in the other way, is a product of the 80s. And so the stereotype of the blue-collared worker who's building the pool doing this catcalling thing is kind of not only if you're seeing it from the feminist kind of anti women side, but also from the, well, this is a a characteristic of the lower class, working class, poorer people. It's something they do. And which was which was a thing in the 80s. You see a lot of these things where it was the the little guy versus the rich businessman and things like that. These divides between classes were like there you see it all the time in these 80s sort of things, 70s, 80s kind of era.
0: And it, it definitely feels to me is like we gotta well, we got construction workers in this film. We gotta have the scene where they are brewed to women. We gotta have that because every film with the construction worker has this seed so let's do it and you you don't need it and it doesn't work here it doesn't work anywhere but like it's not a full adult woman
1: to be fair i can't tell anyone's ages but
0: the character is 60
1: yes but 16 year olds in the 80s all look the same age as me in my mind i'm like sure that is a me person so obviously
2: (laughs) that is (laughs) a a me me person. person
1: I guess and and teenagers today all look older than me and I'm like I don't know anyone's ages anymore
2: I mean I don't want to bring up this whole conversation that even though we've been talking about it for 10 minutes now in the middle of our games sure. but I as is review one thing that I had wondered the point is, is a bad like lady. you pointed out her dad is their boss and yeah I'm not sure if they were like friends of the family or like they all knew each other or something. Cause it almost came off that way. But at the same time, why would you be hitting on her? So it was kind of like, mm.
0: there is a point in the film where a construction worker leans in the window, takes a sip yeah, of the right? coffee <laughs> and eats some coffee cake off of the counter. And I think the mom comes in and addresses him by name yeah. or like maybe he addresses her as Mrs. such and such. Maybe
1: they're just really bad at their job and they've been working there a very long time. And they've gotten to know the family.
0: What, like years? Yeah, they're
1: just really slow. They're like, it's taking so hard to dig. What is is so hard in this ground? It's totally not dead bodies. What is this weird thing that kind of looks like a dead body? Just be may be broken up rock. It's so hard to dig through.
2: And we don't know how much time has passed while they've been getting experts to come search for their daughter, but the pool is still just a muddy hole in the ground. They haven't even made I progress told you, past that. They're
1: yet. really bad at their job.
0: No, I think the family just stopped investing money in the pool because oh, their daughter was gone. I
1: have an idea. Turns out these are not <laughs> adult contractors. They were just really hard living teenagers that have been like <laughs> r- like smoking and drinking and living it up in the city. And they're actually like 14 but look really old because they have lived a hard life.
0: See that makes and that's it okay why they are hitting on the sixteen-year-old. They are catcalling the sixteen-year-old girl who is out of their league and like a oh, way older than they are, and like they don't understand how to interact with women. They're also trying to pilot their way through adolescence, and they're going to make mistakes. And this is and a that's mistake. why they're
1: also really bad at building the pool because they can't. They don't want to admit, hey, actually, we have no idea how to build a pool. We're just going to wing it.
2: Well, you know, Carl's also the one who brought up the fact that the daughter keeps going out at all hours with the boys and knows where the hotels are. So maybe they just know been, her
0: from there.
1: Maybe she's been taking over okay, that, <laughs> that
0: is supposing that these are these 14-year-old boys so and would know where a 16-year-old girl would go.
1: Maybe she's actually being possessed by, like, a 40-year-old like, Wild West ghost who's like, I used to work in a saloon and I'm gonna go have me some fun.
0: Okay, wait, wait. So the 16-year-old is being possessed by a 40-year-old ghost who is not dead 40 years but was 40 years old when she died. Yes,
1: and worked in kay. a saloon during the gold rush, which was in and Northern then, California, on, not Southern California, on, California, but Hold on. Matter.
0: So these 14-year-old <laughs> child laborers are hitting on what they think is a 16-year-old, but is actually a 40-year-old in a 16 year old No, they
1: just somehow are drawn to the energy of the Old West saloon (laughs) ghost. They just somehow know this, because it's like the ghost scent. The ghost scent. Also, by
0: saloon ghost, do you mean prostitute? Kinda. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) But they're just drawn to the ghost scent. They just know the ghost scent. They're like, this ghost smells like... Older, sexy woman.
2: When Spielberg listens to our podcast, he now knows the way to rewrite the story to make it. So make you were
0: supposing that there is a oh, we did have ghost scent earlier, with right? The young yeah, pheromone. that's what I. Yep, but I thought that was body scent. Ghost
1: pheromones.
0: <laughs> we have gone off the rails, and I think it's time. I don't to get know back why on you're
1: surprised.
0: So we can pull into the station and finish this podcast. <laughs>
2: Did you uh, do anything about what you thought of today? What you learned today?
1: What did we oh, learn? Did yes. not let Sarah. Have I mean, I have a, a the lesson. The lesson's
0: very obvious, but we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, so, Sarah, let's go on to what is this section called? It's not plugs. <laughs> yeah, sure, Me. it is. Sarah, can you tell people where you can where they can find us online if they choose to do so.
1: You can find our website at retrograding.fireside.fm.
0: Now that is just dot .fireside, not dot .f <laughs> space Fireside, as she pronounced it.
1: Sorry, I kind of hiccup.
0: <laughs> okay. Our
1: Facebook page is just facebook.com slash Our You can find each other at, I don't even remember.
0: Retrograding Party Line.
1: Retrograding Party Line, thank you. Our music is done by Dominique Barnes. And if you would give us a like on iTunes or any other place you find our podcast, if they do likes or shares or reviews or things like that, that would help us out a lot. We would love that. We would love you. Thank you.
0: We would love you. Just keep that in mind. Three people loving you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty great. All right. Um, also, I want to say the thing I always say about Dominique Barnes She's is great. she continues to be great. This is a phrase I'm friends with her brother in Chicago. And this is a phrase that I told him yesterday and he loved it. This is going to bring us... To our final section, which is, guys, I learned something today. Something I picked up while watching this film that I wanted to share with our audience so they can mull it over in the coming month before our next episode. And it is simply, don't build on burial grounds, even if it is just people. (laughs) So, that is going to close this episode... Of retrograding (laughs) If it was an animal burial
2: around Would that be worse because they're not just
0: people Yes
1: Sometimes dead is better (laughs) Dead is better
0: (laughs) Dead is better That's another lesson We'll get to that one We are going to close this episode of retrograding We will catch you guys next time